everyone. Welcome to another week. This is the Live Life Aggressively podcast with Mike Marler and Sincere Hogan. And if any, if you know anything about this show, one thing that Mike and I constantly talk about all the time is creating a life that you want. And this is really about lifestyle design and living on your own terms. And I'm pretty sure in quite a few shows, you've heard Costa Rica pop up a lot in our discussions. Mike and I talk about it a lot. I've, it's no secret that my wife and I are trying to plan to go there, at least visit first. But my wife already has it fixed in her head that we're moving there. And that was until I read Nadine's book. <laughs> That's our guest today. Nadine Fasani is on the line today. And you have to check out her book. And this, Now, don't get me wrong. What's really cool about this book is really, really honest about becoming an expat, just dropping everything, dropping a life that's getting on your nerves and just like, I'm done with this. I'm going to move. And of course, we have all these stories. People want to go to paradise. And, yeah, I'm just going to drop everything and move on an island. They think it's all hunky-dory. But Nadine gives both sides of the story here in her book. So, first of all, Nadine, thanks a lot for joining Mike and myself on the show. Oh, it's great to be here. I'm so excited to talk to you guys. Oh, yeah, your book's a real pleasure. And just real quick to everyone, her book is Happier Than a Billionaire by Nadine Hayes Pisani. Is that, is that the correct pronunciation? Not sure. Close enough? Like, hey, that was my husband's <laughs> name, Pisani. Yeah, close enough. My maiden name is Hayes. That was an easy one. So you can pronounce the last name any way you want. All right. That's not good. And you can get the book at Amazon.com. Is it at Barnes & Noble as well? Uh, online, sure. Okay. It's yeah. everywhere. Yeah, it's all over the place, and it, it's, it's a really fun, authentic read. And I mean, this just the first paragraph sets the tone of oh, the yeah. sense of humor. <laughs> and, you know, it's you not Hemingway. That's yeah. what I tell people. <laughs> well, that's what I say about my book too. It's not Hemingway, but you know, it doesn't have to be because it's you, and it's you have a good voice and a, and a very interesting writing style. It definitely keeps your attention. And I want I want to go back to when you were a chiropractor, you and your husband living in New York. And just give us, give us the mindset of, of what your state of mind was then in terms of how much you were enjoying life and when this light switch flipped that things have to change. You have to make some moves. You know, I think the best analogy right now is, you know, occasionally I turn on the news. I try to stay in touch with what's going on in the States. Right. And I guess yeah. there's this government shutdown. Yeah. There's all this craziness and everybody's angry and, you know, it's kind of like, that's how I felt, <laughs> you know, I felt like just, ah, it's too much. I, I'm not happy and, and everything's out of control. And I was living a life that just didn't seem to fit. Yeah. And I designed a lot, you know, I did what you're supposed to do, you know, what everybody tells you to do, go to college, work hard, start a business, get a job, get a house, you know, and, and it's awful when you, when you find out that's not what you want and you're already like in deep with student loans and, and uh, I don't know, I just, it was it. It, it, you know, I was one of those people that just said either I change my path now or it's never going to happen. So that's exactly what we did. We literally just sold everything and moved without one plan. Did you, did you visit Costa Rica and check it out before moving over we there? We visited it when we decided <laughs> to move there. Yeah. So came, <laughs> Once like, we moved there, you checked it out. <laughs> yeah, so we came down, you know, a little bit beforehand, and, you know, the, yeah. and I realized, wow, this is a really friendly place and a nice right. place. And listen, guys, I had to get out of that office. Do you understand? I had to get out. I would right. have gone anywhere. And it just so <laughs> happens that with a little investigation, uh, we picked a place that really did suit us. 
Now, was there a time when you were a chiropractor that you actually enjoyed it? Maybe the first couple of years? Where sure. You, were, yeah. you know, so I, when, when did that when did that turning point occur where yeah. you went from I love being a chiropractor to you know what I can't stand at this job. One more person walks in here and farts in my face on my table. <laughs> I'm going to lose this. You know? No, the, the, the farting was the easiest part. Guys. <laughs> <laughs> I think what happens is with healthcare, you know, I was, my husband and I, we both had our own practices and we were really good at it and we cared a lot for our patients. And what ends up happening is if you care for your patients and they call up and they say, oh, my, I threw out my back, I, I was the type to say, okay, I'm booked for the day, but, but come as my last patient. So come at 6. Then somebody else would call. I'm like, okay, well, you come at 6.30 and somebody else calls 7. So the next thing you know, I'm working till 8 at night. And, you, and it, it was hard for me to be that type of person to turn away people right. who were hurt. You know, especially if they're your patient, you have a very close relationship when when you when you treat people. Sure. And I right. think what happened is I just I just became overworked, and there was no passion left in it. And I I wanted to leave and honor what I did instead of being one of those doctors who sees you for thirty seconds and just doesn't care. And you can tell you guys have probably been to one where you leave an office and you're like, well, he didn't care about me. Right. Sure. And yeah. I didn't want to be that. So I'd rather have just buried it and move on, and, and that's what we did. I think that's a good point. I mean, Sincere and I talk about that all the time, how we know people in our industry, fitness people, that they came out of the gate really enthusiastic, and then somewhere along the line, they just lost the fire. Maybe they overextended themselves, like what mm -hmm. you were talking about, or maybe they just, they just didn't feel like they had anything else to offer, but they didn't have the courage to change careers or try something different. So they just become more and more bitter with each year as they go along. And I think, it, I think it's important to recognize when that's happening and make a mid-course correction. And, and listen, I, I'll, I'll be the first one to admit, I wasn't smart enough to figure out how to change it internally, okay? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm not the brightest one on the block. So for me, and you know, it's funny when I think back, I think in my 20s, my early 20s, I smoked. And I realized I kind of want to be a smoker the rest of my life, so I quit culture. <laughs> right. People said, no, smoke less smoke, you know, cigarettes a yeah. day. I'm like, no, yeah. I'm just quitting cold turkey, and that's how I pretty much live my life. I think you that's know? the only way to quit smoking, because I, I was a smoker, too, when I was in high school. And then I started getting into fitness, and I was like, forget it, no more of this. And it was just like that. It wasn't something where I phased it out and said, okay, let me smoke one less today. It was like, nah, that's done. That's over with. Yeah. But that, that's an interesting analogy because I think people have to do that in their life sometimes as well. They think they can make these really gradual changes. Like I always use the analogy of people that have a full-time job and then they're trying to build something else that's more of their passion on the side. And I always say that's never going to work. It's never going to work because you're not fully committed and it, it takes so much work to make your passion come to you reality. You know, you make a really good point. There's something to be said to have your back against a wall. Yeah. Yeah. That's you know, the other and thing, I think, you know, starting a practice, starting a business when you're broke and you literally have to move ahead or you're going to fail right. step by step, right. keep moving and clawing. And I think that that's an interesting personality trait. And like when you said about smoking, I didn't want to deal with the everyday. Should I have another? Did I have three? Should I cut back? To two? No, <laughs> right. I couldn't right. handle that. Right. So right. Uh, it was just easier to say, I'd rather fight the demon then, uh, you know, you know, bargain with them. Right. Yeah, I think something could be said by not having a plan B. It's so funny. <laughs> your parents, your parents are like, you want to have something to fall back on? Yo, you need to have something to fall back on. I don't want to fall back. <laughs> yeah, I want, to, I want to fall forward. Yeah. Exactly. That's the biggest mistake right there. And I, th I, think what, I think what stops a lot of people, Nadine, from doing something 
like what you and your husband did though is just not not just fear but just ridicule from other people so i'm sure you must you two must have had it where your friends are going come on what are you thinking you guys you guys are going to move to costa rica give up oh. your job you're nuts Listen, if i was if, if, if anybody wants to do this move don't look for support from your friends and family. <laughs> right right really not going to get it they're not going to be on board um you're you're showing them a life that is a reflection to theirs right so they are saying things out of fear they're saying things out of uh, they want to do it, but there's no way they can. You know, so so their message is is, is buried under a lot of things. Right. So you just have to hold on tight and really go for you know whatever you're looking for. That's yeah, so funny. Those, those people, folks, always tell you like, "There's no way I could do that," and that right there should tell you that okay, I should be doing this if they can't do that. Even like my wife and I, since we've been talking about this for the past year or so. My brother-in-law and sister-in-law, they're on board. They're like, hey, let's go check it out. Let's go spend a week there. Let's go back a few months later and spend a couple of weeks in Costa Rica. And then let's go full on and do a month where you can really see, like, is this really going to be for us? And just talking to my wife's parents, one thing about my father-in-law, this dude, will he's, all, he's so flexible. He's like, let's do it. My mother-in-law, not so much. She's like, what? But it's, it's, it's so far away. It's so strange. It's, what about my house? I'm like, sell the house. Like, no, I have so many memories here. And that's another thing I think a lot of people get caught up in is trying to detach from all these other these memories that they had here. So mm-hmm. did you guys have any issues with that as well, just kind of like walking away from, you know, a home or all these other memories that you guys had in New York outside of your practice? Just more things you, you know, the, more uh, attached to. I wrote about this in my book, and it, it was such a profound moment because – I was starting to read a lot about Buddhism, you know, because, mm-hmm. of course, I'm miserable, so I'm trying to find anything to make me happy. <laughs> Buddhists seem like happy people. <laughs> so, and there's a line in it, and it said, possessions cause suffering. I read that. I thought about that. Hmm, possessions cause suffering. So I look up, and my husband, we had this ridiculously huge fish tank, 265 gallons, which took up an entire wall. In fact, it was built in the wall. Okay. Mm-hmm. And of course it grew as more miserable we became, you know, my husband made it a reef aquarium, you know, and just more crap in there you can, you can ever imagine. So he's upside down. Now the only day off we had was Sunday. Sometimes he'd have to clean it for eight hours. He would be upside down with a toothbrush scrubbing algae off the reef. So I yell out to him, Hey honey, I just, I just read the sentence, uh, possessions cause suffering. <laughs> and he stood up out of that fish tank with his toothbrush. He said, what am I doing? Like, what are we doing? I, I, this is nuts. Our life has become nuts. And, and I, that was the moment that both of it, it clicked for both of us, mm-hmm. that we realized none of it mattered. And the happiest time I had was when we were broke. And why is that? Why when we don't have much? It tends to be a happier, less complicated time. And I think in the back of my mind, I was looking for that. I wasn't looking to be broke, broke again. I was just looking to detangle myself out of things that were complicating my life. Right. Just you were looking to be free. <laughs> it's a thing. Yeah. It's just like the song says, more money, more problems. <laughs> yeah, listen, roof, you got to clean the gutters. You know, you, you got to yeah. patch that roof. There's a leak in the basement. There's a this. There's a that. A house is a wonderful thing, and maybe one day I'll have one again. However... It's foolish to make that your goal in right. life. Oh, and uh, I would, Mike you know, but your parents want that, you know? Yeah, yeah a lot of people feel we, that that's a me- measure of success. You know, I want to own two cars. I want to own a home. 
And it, it, I think so much suffering comes from people trying to keep up with others' expectations, often people they don't even know are never right. going to meet, such as neighbors and so forth. And then I think hoarding is often an indicator of someone's mental health. So when you walk into someone's place and they just have material crap everywhere and they're always buying stuff, they're always going into debt, that's a sign that they have this just deep hole in their soul. They're trying to fill with yeah. material goods. I always say they're, they're running from something else, and they're trying to use that to fulfill that big hole, like Mike was just saying. Right. The more and more stuff they get, is just they're trying to avoid dealing with a much deeper issue that's going on with them. You know, everybody uh, wants to keep up with the Joneses, but they don't realize the Joneses are broke. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> In that's, many why, ways. that's why the Joneses look that way. Like most people, I mean, you see driving around the nice cars and all that. You're absolutely correct. They have massive debt. Massive debt, or, or how about just emotionally? How about right. all those people, right. neighbors yeah. that, that they're divorced? Yeah. You didn't even see it coming. They were so nice at the barbecue. Next <laughs> <laughs> thing right. no, he cheated on her. She cheated with the trainer. Got a sale. So uh, oh. yeah, it's funny that way. What was? Is there anything you missed? about living in the states now how, how long have you been in costa rica now how long have you two been out over there? six years okay so you've been out there for a while is there anything you miss where you're just going through your day going oh it'd be nice if we had that or oh it'd be nice if we had this you know i don't really uh i don't know a good bagel might be nice but um <laughs> yeah. you know i don't um besides family and friends things like that right it, it's i was really careful when i moved here in terms of my attitude and how I was going to go on this journey and how I was going to uh, let this whole thing unfold in front of me. And I knew uh, very quickly that if I went on the comparison game, if I didn't really just live in the present and enjoy what I have, it's going to be challenging. And those are really the people who leave. And it's surprising the people who do. There's people who you really thought were going to make it here and just couldn't. So when I find those times when, oh, my computer broke, I wish it would be, you know, easy to go to Staples or, you know, buy a new printer and things, you know, it kind of just lasts for 10 seconds and then it kind of washes away. Right. You really have to scale back here. You really have to make the present moment count because there's a lot of things that could go wrong <laughs> when living in this area. You two seem to have a good sense of humor as well, and I think that's important because otherwise you just get overly frustrated. I mean, Kenya would be like that, too. Like, certain things would happen, and initially it would be really irritating. After a while, you would just start laughing at it. You're like, car would break down in the middle of nowhere. Giraffes would be walking by, and we'd just be cracking <laughs> jokes about it. Oh, we're, well, we're fixing it. We're changing a tire. There's a lion within 30 feet. <laughs> you know, and, That's crazy. Yeah, yeah, I never after saw a while, that just, yeah, after a while, it just starts becoming part of the adventure. You just, you just have to laugh about it. Or, or you get really irritated, and then you laugh about it later. But that's one of the others. But that's an interesting point you bring up about people who moved there and didn't make it. Well, what do you think are the common threads among people who moved down and said, oh, yeah, this is it. This is where we're going to spend the rest of our lives. And then a couple of years in, we're saying, nah, it's not going to work out. You, you, you mentioned the ability to stay in the present moment. Were there, is there anything else that really stuck out? I think many times, uh, a lot of times people confuse the fact that if you move and go abroad and do something crazy like this, you're lost. Right. I hear right. that a lot. That you're lost. And I, <laughs> right. I wasn't lost. I was, you know, I was so excited to go on a new direction. I knew I wasn't, I knew I was going to land somewhere. I wasn't lost, but there's some people I think come here who truly are lost. They're either lost in the relationship with their spouse. They're lost in their intentions of coming here and the expectations. I truly honest to God, guys, my husband and I looked at each other when we land here and we said, it's either going to be really good 
were really bad. <laughs> they, <laughs> right. there, was, there was no middle. Like right. we just said, you can't, like quitting smoking, right? Yeah. You're going to do it or you're not. There's no middle. <laughs> and I think people expect things. They measure things here. They came on a, a very slippery, uh, slippery uh, uh, um, skates of, of a bad relationship, and they're looking for something to get fixed. Huge right. mistake, because right. you can't fix that here. If you can't fix it when you have all your utilities working, you are definitely not going to fix it when the water's <laughs> out and the electric's out. And, and you're going to the bathroom in the backyard because your toilet's not working. <laughs> bad right. time to fix marital relationships. Right. Right, no question. Now, now what I'm is sure, like, I know people are listening right now. There are some who are thinking, like, okay, this is something that I possibly want to do, or this is something that we've been thinking about, but how do we even get started? Now, of course, I know you said you guys you just you went there, and that was your visit, but what, what would you say, what advice would you give to someone to get the ball rolling? As far as, I mean, because I have to admit, the realtor that you guys used in the, in the beginning, Martin, <laughs> By far the funniest character in the entire book so far. <laughs> God bless that simple soul. Oh my God, gosh, that him. guy. <laughs> you know, it's. I think my story. You know, I definitely don't write to convince people to move here. I just wrote a story right. about being a very unhappy person, and becoming a happy person again. And I think it 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 serves. It serves you well if you come here with some money. We lived on a thousand dollars a month when we first moved here for the first three years, and now we live towards the beach, so it's a little more expensive. It's like twelve hundred a month. Um, I don't know what it's like to sleep in a van down at the river. You guys still there? Yeah, I'm right here. I'm there. Oh, okay. Um, no, it's raining. It's like a huge thunderstorm here, and that's usually when I lose everybody. Right. But uh, I don't know what it's like to be a surfer and live in a van and live on right. $200 a month. I can only write and tell people, this is what I live on, and because of what I have, I can get groceries, I can you know, get gas, I can do all the things that I normally did back in the States. Um, I, would, I would wish when people come here to think about that to have some capital if you want to start a business. And as you guys know, have some capital behind you for a year, for a year and a half to keep it going. The people who fail are usually people who have two months of capital and they can't make it last. Right. So my story of some, is of somebody who was a business person who sold everything, had enough to move here, not forever, but had a dream about doing it, but I, like I said, I didn't bunk up with a bunch of surfers and live in a van. That's other people's stories, which are so much better than mine, I tell you. <laughs> but uh, if you're not there, if you guys are not at the point in your life where you want to bunk with a bunch of guys, then um, have a little bit of capital under your belt. Now, do you two, yeah. are you two doing any work now? I, mean, I know when you first moved out there, you just wanted to have this freestyle lifestyle. I mean, obviously, you wrote your book. But is, is there anything you two do on a day-to-day basis now? Do you run a business, or are you just, just living your life, just enjoying each other, just enjoying being there? We're just, you know, it's funny how it all happened. I, it's strange how the best thing that happened in my life happened when I wasn't even concerned about money or making money, or business was the last thing on my mind when I wrote the book. Right. Um, I, I, I wouldn't be selling it for two ninety nine if if I thought about money and, and <laughs> profit. You know, fame I would get from it. It was truly a passion. It was a funny story. It came from the heart. And because of that silly book, 
that started off with that ridiculous joke, the first sentence, <laughs> it has changed the course of my entire life. And it propelled me to write the second book. The third book is coming out. We're making, we started our own production company. Wow. We're making our own TV show. So things are happening that I could never have fathomed in my life happening. And it's all a juggle of always remembering that moment I got off the plane and I landed in that little mountain town and I was finally at peace and everything really started to, to come together for me is to juggle these projects and make it a happy time in my life and not let that crazy overworked habit I had when I was in the States. So right. it's a balance, right. but it's a fun balance. And I get to do, oh, come on, guys. I mean, I, I take pictures of monkeys. That's my life. I, I go to beaches. And, and that's, I that's, that's, that's a good book title yeah. right there. Trust me, I, I admit yeah, I love it's your pictures. Ridiculous. I, I laugh. I just laugh at the whole thing. And um, I would never have expected it. And I could just urge people to just, whatever they do, go into it with such passion and such heart and not think about a nickel. Because if, if it's something that's, that's worthy and, and some, something somebody wants, they're going to find you. And that's exactly what happened to my husband and I. That's great advice right there. And something Sincere and I talk about quite a bit is pursuing your passion and doing an exceptional job with whatever you're trying to put out there, whether it's a book or a product, a workshop, et cetera. And then things are going to just take care of themselves after that. And your, your story is definitely proof positive of that. Now, were there – t- I remember I saw a show with you and Rob, your husband, on one of these travel networks. X-Pat. Yeah, yeah, exactly. X-Pat. It was on YouTube. And you, you both, I think it was Robert talked about how your, your creative juices just start flowing when you get out there. When did that start happening? Did, did that happen when you guys got settled? Like, for example, when did, you, when did this whole book idea start coming to you? Was it after being out there for a year or so? I think probably how you can relate living in Kenya. When these funny things happen, you know, I always love to write. Uh-huh. You know, it's funny because in college, my professors would tell me, this is what you should do. And I was like, are you crazy? You know, you can't make money doing that. <laughs> you know, that's what a dumb young person says, you know. So uh, I came here and I would write these ridiculous stories and I would send them emails out to friends. And, and it ended up that they would go through inter-office email. They shared them. Yeah. So the next thing I know is these people from like IBM are emailing me. I've heard about your story and I, I, I read it. It's so funny. How can I do it? Like, well, this is crazy that these people are interested. You know, I'll, I'll just start putting them together. And, and I had a blog where I'd write small little paragraphs of things. And what really hit with me, and, and I, I, just, I, just, I just hit the mother load with this. Um, a month after I, I uploaded that book, and it was at a time when all the technology and things synced together, and a self-published person could upload their book. Right. And this is after dozens of literary agents said, oh, your genre wouldn't sell. Nobody wants to read about being happy. At that point, you know, <laughs> can you write about vampires, you know? <laughs> so after, you know, we uploaded the book, and I was all excited, and I said, well, if I sell one a month, you know, we can get a soda with that, and we'll celebrate every month. And then I realized, <laughs> okay, well, it's paying for the phone bill. Okay, you paid the phone bill, and it was paying for the electric bill. And a month into to the publication of it, a CNN reporter contacted me read the book and wanted to do a story on me wow. that changed everything yeah and and it was just by luck she found it and it was by luck she liked the story and that's pretty much how everything followed after that the expat thing you know all, all these other 
uh, uh, all this other press I've been getting. So, you know, it wasn't planned. I didn't plan for any of this to happen. I just wanted a book that chronicled our story, and, um, you know, it worked out in the end. Yeah, I think sometimes people downplay the importance of living an exciting life and what, and how, and, and what kind of opportunities are going to come from that. Because when you start experiencing things, like you said, you start telling those stories, people find it funny. You never know where that's going to take you. That could become a book. That could become a TV show. That could become something else because now you're starting to become an interesting person and people want to hear your story. And I think one, one of the other things I found really interesting about you two is that you had a, a serious health transformation. Yeah, I was just about to bring that up about Rob, especially Rob and himself yeah, yeah. as well. Uh, oh, my you, gosh, both, my husband tremendously. Yeah, both, I mean, of you just, look fan, both of you look fantastic now. And yeah. we, saw, we saw your before pictures on that show. We're like, whoa. Or, or just yeah. reading the part where Rob had to carry you when you got bitten by the ant. And just, just, <laughs> he's he's done that like, a lot. He carries me a lot. <laughs> so it's so funny seeing the video first and then reading that. It's so hard for me to picture him struggling just to carry you and and just out of breath and his hip is all jacked up and just it doesn't even fit what i saw in that video there oh my god what happens to you when you work you know what i mean it's just you just let yourself go you're so miserable for my husband he just he just fed himself you know because he was so unhappy you know i was just a you know kind of naggy bitchy kind of person at the end of the day. <laughs> unfortunately that's how my stress you know really got to me but my husband just ate and ate and ate and i think that's a lot of people you know you deal with stress by eating yeah mm-hmm. that's a lot of people that's a that's a lot of americans we right see now that a lot. self-medicating and but but what, what how, how did this whole trend now did this transformation happen organically when you moved out there meaning I don't get the impression that you two went into an intense exercise. I mean, Rob looks like he, he has an exercise regimen, but I get the impression that you just started eating cleaner because that's what's available there and then just became much more active because that's the lifestyle out there. Is that correct, or was there actually a plan in place where you both decided, hey, let's get in great shape and improve our health? You know, it's funny. I like, I like to call it the happy diet because <laughs> when you're happy – you're, you know, and as, a, as you know, you guys are trainers and stuff, clear-headed, it's amazing the decisions you make. Right, right, right. And the minute we sold those practices, I mean, we didn't even get to Costa Rica yet. And, and I joked around um, in the book that I felt like jumping on the lawyer's table and throwing dollar bills in the air to make oh, it yeah. rain. <laughs> I, I was happy the minute. I signed the contract to sell it. The minute I, my last letter of my name, a burden was lifted off me, and I could, my gosh, it's like I got back to the person I was. So with that type of mindset, you know, it's funny because before we moved to Costa Rica, that, that small frame when we're selling the house, my husband and I, we would go to the park, this beautiful park, and we'd run on the trails. We lived there for like 12 years. We never yeah. did anything at this park. We never <laughs> ran on the trail. I didn't even know there were trails. <laughs> and we laughed like, how could we have not have done this? But there was no time. So right. when we moved here, like you said, there's a lot of great fruits and vegetables. They're cheaper than the Oreos and the imparted Fruit Loops. And, right. you know, we're on a budget. And it's just, it's just the smartest thing to do. And I think that it all started to come off him. All the weight came off so quickly. And then he does, like you saw it in the expat show, I call it the jailhouse workout. Yeah. Where he just tells a welder, build me this. <laughs> and I'm going to do push-ups upside down. And, you know, and right. he would always say, we don't need a gym. You don't need a gym. You need right. a, just some equipment. 
That's and you true. need, you know, the, the mindset that you, I want to get in shape. Right. And um, I hope that got across because I really wanted to show people on that show that we're not going to Gold's Gym, you know, we're not doing these things. We just adapted our lifestyle and you just need a few things to really turn your body around. I think the most important thing is that you two became mentally healthy. You went to, you, you made this major change in your life because so much, so many people have so much stress in their life and then they try to work out hard. And hard workouts are also a form of stress, which your body can handle if you give yourself the right restoration methods. But most people are already burned out, and then they're trying to work out hard on top of that, and then they're not getting the results they want because you're constantly in this adrenaline-firing, cortisol-increasing state. And I think one of the big reasons why you two got so healthy is that you really brought your stress levels down by having the courage to move to another place, revamp your life, and then, in addition to that, you have access to all this much cleaner food. You get immersed in the lifestyle out there, being more active and so forth. So I think it was a multifaceted approach that worked really well. And I've, I've often recommended people who have really bad adrenal fatigue, where they just wake up with no energy and then they can't sleep at night. Just go on vacation for two weeks. It'll be yeah. gone. It'll be gone by the time. I've had clients who couldn't lose stubborn body fat. They go on vacation. It's gone without trying. Just going out there and having a good time. Eating, eating good food, relaxing, having a fun time, getting away from all the stress, bam, it's gone just like that. Right, and you definitely have that balance now because, again, you're writing books now. Rob's going with his music career now. Two things, again, that people think, well, you can't make any money from that. Well, who cares when you're really enjoying it? And, I mean, he looks like he's really enjoying himself. It's, you know, it's a priority now, and it's funny how you can, you can really lose that. Like, you know, after – the first book hit, and I wasn't prepared. I wrote a little bit about that in the second book. I, I wasn't prepared for the attention I got. Mm -hmm. And it, it's, it's like I could see the happiness slip away because now I'm stressed and now I'm doing interviews. Mm -hmm. and how am I going to yeah. sound? And who should I be? <laughs> I mean, I am not all that impressed with myself. And how am I going to do interviews and have people be impressed with me? And, you know, all these crazy things happen in your head and I just, you get to a point where you just have to let it all go and you have to balance your life again. And that's, that's a, I think that's a constant state of always reflecting and saying, okay, how do I get back to that, that, that point where I was, I was the happiest and okay, I got to let this go and I got to let this go. Let me tell you, putting your work out there and, you know, I'm very lucky, you know, 95% all nice things people say, but the 5% bad. And especially when they seek you out on your blog and your emails. Yeah. And it, Trolls. You know, I, I'm a very, you know, I'm, I'm a girl. I'm a sensitive person. So when somebody says, somebody said they would run away from me at a party. I was like, you know, you don't even, what party are we going to be at that you're going to run away from me from? Like, <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. like, when are we going to be together? And you get these things and, and you just have to learn to balance them. And, and really, right. in retrospect, it's great, you know. Let me tell you, anything will roll off my husband. He's from Brooklyn. He doesn't care what you say to him. There's nothing you – guys are kind of like that, I suppose. You know, you can say anything to them. Roll right off your back. I don't care. So for me, it was a real journey of trying to balance all that, figure it out, reestablish my happiness levels, and make sure that I'm always doing things that I want to do. If I don't want to do a podcast, I don't do it. If I don't want to do an interview, you know, like those type of things. Right, you know? right. So, no, that's very um, important. I think, I think what's interesting also, what you, what you just said, is that 
with these kind of trolls, because we all get that, people who just want to be negative for the sake of being negative. And I, I think the key with those kind of people is that you, you can't engage them at all. And that's the mistake a lot of people make is they put up a YouTube clip and someone says something and then you get on there and you're arguing with this, oh, with this yeah. idiot that you're never going to meet ever. You've already lost argument. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't that, feed the trolls, man. Right. So that's, that's, that's right. They live now. under bridges. No, to me, <laughs> exactly. it's, yeah. The reason why they're under the bridge. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> to me, it's delete, erase, you don't exist. Because we all get that. Anyone who puts their work out there is going to get that. And, and sometimes it's legitimate criticism, which I don't mind. I don't mind constructive criticism. I mean, we can, that's always useful. But other times, they're, they're, not, they're not trying to be constructive. They're not trying to do anything remotely useful. They're just trying to ruin your day. You know, that, that's the whole goal right there. And it's been shocking you to you guys. Like, I had no, I have so little, well, especially when I worked, I had so little time to do anything. I couldn't imagine sitting down at a computer and writing a manifesto of how much you hate happier than a billionaire or live life aggressively. It just right. takes a lot of time. Right. It yeah. takes a lot of energy, you know? Yeah. It's a fun thing, though, so I understand what you're talking about. Like, when I first, I mean, mine was like a compilation of a lot of articles and so forth, and then I put it all together and wrote a bunch of new stuff. But it was never something where, I'm going, oh, i got to write more. It was always something I woke up excited to do. So, I mean, that, that, that made me realize I was on the right path. And like you said about your book, you know, the majority of people who read mine really liked it. There's a couple people who didn't like it for whatever reason. Then there's people who just want to be haters. You know, I don't pay attention to such people. because Somebody they're, they're... once wrote me a one-star review because the <laughs> book wasn't about Ecuador. <laughs> see, that, that, see that 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 goes into what I was just saying. Exactly. That that's someone who's just trying to irritate you. That person, yeah, they're, they're miserable. Yeah, exactly. They're just like, going. You know, I'm just going to mess with this lady. That's, I'm bored. I'm bored today, so I'm just going to get on here and, <laughs> and see if I can get a, a little response out of her. So I mean, the worst thing you can do is engage any of these people Absolutely. because that that's a victory. I mean, you you meet people like that in life too, right? People who like to. They're they're energy vampires where they like yeah. to talk about all the problems they have so that you give them attention. It's there, the crazy arena. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to. I don't want to step in to the yeah. MMA of the crazies, and, <laughs> and yeah. I ran away from it to get away from people who just suck the life out of you. So well, well, you know, you just guys like did you the said, right thing. You, you guys did the right thing. You're you're saying we're both miserable. Let's find a way to change our life in a positive way, rather than just be miserable to other people. So you you did that. Now there's going to be a lot of people who see that and are inspired by that. And then there's going to be a, a smaller percentage of people who are jealous that you two had the courage to do that, and they don't feel that they do. So they're, they're, the next best thing that they can do is try to ruin your experience. Yeah, and try to, try, try to where they Yeah, are. try to belittle what you did. And, yeah. and it's not like any, anything in life, you know, yeah. friends that are bad, toxic friends that waste, you know, right. your time with their troubles. And, yes. and, and, and it's pretty much all the same all around. you got to be really careful who – you allow into your life and who absolutely. you allow to matter. Yeah, absolutely. No doubt. No doubt. It's critical. You know, what I think is really cool, you know, on the flip side of all these trolls out there is the following that you do have. I mean, I've yeah. seen the following and the responses on your blog. I've seen on Twitter. I've seen on Pinterest. By the way, those pictures on Pinterest make me want to just leave right now. <laughs> I just want to just drop everything. Like, seriously, she has like, Nadine has a board on Pinterest. Like, this is pretty much what she sees when she's writing. And I'm like, whoa, Really? I would probably be writing 50,000 books if I saw that, <laughs> sitting in front of that all the time. Sincere, sincere, then again, with the mojitos there, out. then maybe not. Just <laughs> so. looking out the window at some construction worker with his butt crack showing, putting in cement. <laughs> <laughs> Even the butt cracks are beautiful <laughs> here, guys. It's just like, yeah, it's a relaxed butt crack. It's not a stressed out you know, <laughs> New York or Texas butt crack. 
it's one of the great things, you know, Costa Rica is, for all the things people want to say it is or isn't, or, you know, I mean, you can get into tons of conversations about that. One thing that's certain, it is beautiful. Oh. Everywhere you turn, it's green and blue, and there's animals and parrots and flowers and Maybe it's because I grew up near an oil refinery in New Jersey. I can appreciate these things. (laughs) But that was enough for me. That filled me with such a sense of joy. And I didn't realize I needed it, guys. I didn't even know I needed it until I came here. And I said, yes, this fits. This is right for me. Just to balance the equation here, what are are some of the negatives? Let's say like four or five negatives that just get under your – there's got to be things that just really irritate you. Sure. They, I could tell you a few right off the bat. Yeah. Um, when you want to get something done here, they, uh, um, you know, the people here are very friendly. They don't really want to tell you no. Right. Yeah. Okay. Even though if they know they're not going to do it. So they'll say things like, I'll be there tomorrow for sure. <laughs> and they don't show yeah. up ever. <laughs> right. Now, in, in the States, you would do that. would infuriate you. You'd call them yeah. and say, you're supposed to fix my stove and you didn't show up. But that's <laughs> that's so often here that you never quite know if they're ever going to come. Like it's a strange thing to, to always have people say yes when they don't mean it. Bureaucracy is rough. Getting residency can take a long time. The roads can be horrible. Just, I mean, they can be, they're not even potholes. They're sinkholes guys. (laughs) holes where, and, and the only time you know that like, it's coming up is some nice person puts a stick in with a plastic bag on top to warn you. Right. So there's there's things like that that just just you, know, you don't know where the money going. Is getting around the country very difficult then as a result of that? Is that a big hassle? It can be. You know, yeah. people will say, oh, I, I see where you live, and, and this beach is right next door. I'm like, yeah, they, they have a saying here, as the crow flies. <laughs> but if you want to drive it, you, you want to go on the one good road, and that one good road takes you all the way around. So even though Costa Rica, I think it's like the size of West Virginia, it takes forever to get across the country because you have to go on the good roads. There's one. Do you guys Hopefully. move around quite a bit, or are you pretty territorial where you just stay where you're at for the most part? When we first moved here, we lived in the mountains, and that was our home base, and we, we drove everywhere just to visit, you know, for a week or this sure. or that, yep. just every part of the country. A couple years into our stay, then we moved towards the beach, and that's where I'm at now, and that's where you see all those great beach pictures and the hammock pictures. I love the hammock pictures. <laughs> I love taking pictures of hammocks. That, that's, just a, that's just a nice visual altogether. There's a hammock, beach in the back, red. Can't beat that. There's, no, the there's nothing stressful about being in a hammock. You can't. <laughs> exactly. There's no room for stress in a hammock. <laughs> so, um, you know, so there's, there's definitely a, an ebb and flow here that you, you get into. And once you're in it, you're okay, and then you kind of deal with it. But there's definitely frustrating moments, for sure. What, what's diet like you, for you two, for you and Rob on a day-to-day basis? Because I, I read in your book here you, that you have awesome farmers markets out there, and you're, you develop nice relationships with local farmers, and you're, you're getting a, a wide variety of fruit, vegetables, and organic, free-range eggs. Yeah, really I, saw, high quality I, saw you post, I saw someone posting that they had 6.6 pounds of mangoes for $2.80. Yeah. Like, Do you know that costs $35 here in Houston? <laughs> Listen, I can even get you them free. Okay, because when it's mango season, they fall out of the sky on your head here. <laughs> there are so many mango trees. It's funny in Costa Rica because you can just live off 
picking things off the trees. There's right. so much fruit. Right. So, um, yeah, there's great farmer's markets. Whether things are 100% organic or not, I, I'm not really sure. A lot of people here say they are, but, you know, that that's questionable, unless I really know sure. the facts behind that. Sure. Um, but it's very cheap. The fruit is tremendous. The pineapples here are sweet like candy. So I've never had a pineapple like that that tasted like a Jolly Rancher. It, <laughs> right. it, it, it's succulent. It's delicious. The, the vegetables are, are fresh. And, and um, I, I, it, I got back into cooking. And um, like I said before, it's just so hard. I mean, if a pineapple is 50 cents and a bag of Oreos is $7, it makes a decision. Yeah, I was just about to ask you about that. It's like funny how <laughs> it seems that everything's a flip from what, when you were in the States. It seems like here everything that's organic is a lot more expensive than conventional food, whereas I've seen some of those posts on Pinterest where, like, this box of, like, it looked like Fruit Loops, but I think it's like this tiger or something <laughs> is, is their mascot. But it was like $7 for that box of Fruit Loops or Planters Peanuts for $5. And whereas the the squash was like maybe a pound or something like that with maybe like fifty cents or something like that. So oh, it's it's ridiculous. It's it's crazy. You know, it's funny. I love to do the pictures of the cereals every so often. My that husband cereals like, is hilarious. I'm like, what is that? Fruit box. Loops? A bootleg oh, box of Fruit Loops? <laughs> but it's not a chew can. Like it's a gopher. Or, yeah. Always, you know, it's always <laughs> that you think is gonna taste maybe like Fruit Loops, but it's some weird chemically taste. <laughs> And, um, yeah, so I think what's great is I have very, very rarely even met many overweight people here. Hmm. Even when the gringos come down and North Americans come down, North Americans come down and they're overweight, they all start losing weight, whether they want to or not. Right. Getting off their medications. And, and it's, it's inspiring to see people who, I don't know, like 60 is so different in the States as opposed to here. Right. I can imagine. And one, one last thing, when you're there, I mean, probably the last thing you want to do is sit down and watch TV for like five, six, seven hours a day and just sit on your butt and gain weight while you're munching on chips. So big difference in lifestyle, I'm sure. Yeah. Too many fun things to do. Yeah. yeah well, what are, what are some of the fun things you enjoy, you and Rob enjoy doing out there? Well, besides using our kettlebells. <laughs> <laughs> All right. How's <laughs> that? It was, that was funny all this morning, guys, because I was excited about this this interview. I was living my life aggressively, <laughs> and I'm mumbling to my husband, like, Liz, I'm writing this chapter aggressively today. <laughs> this morning, I felt very aggressive. Um, no, it's, my husband, oh, gosh, he's such a can-do kind of guy. You know, he grew up in Bensonhurst, Brooklyn. Uh-huh. I don't know if you know anything about Brooklyn, but it's a yeah, very sure. funny, funny group of people who think they can pretty much do anything. <laughs> so he ended up buying us. They were selling these kayaks, $40, by the way, $40 for a kayak, except it had some holes in it. <laughs> but we bought these real cheap kayaks, and now some of our great adventures are uh, uh, just going, going five minutes down the road, putting them in the ocean, finding the best. I know the best snorkeling spot, guys, the very, very best snorkeling spot. And we could spend a whole afternoon you know, we pack our lunch, just spending it out on the water, snorkeling. Um, there's mountain biking here, surfing, boogie boarding. If you can't surf, boogie boarding is a lot of fun, yeah. a lot, a lot of fun. And, um, gosh, you know, I have monkeys out my window. So in the morning, <laughs> yeah, I just please. My yeah, my, that's all my wife is looking forward to. She loves monkeys, and that's all. She's like, baby, can we have monkeys when we get them? I'm like, you know what, I think we won't have a choice. Because I, <laughs> I hear they just make themselves at home if you leave your windows open. And they're eye to eye with you. 
You're, yeah. I, I'm on the second floor looking at my terrace. Just like, oh my gosh, this is just incredible. So people ask me often, you know, are you bored? Are you bored? I, you know, I was bored when I worked. Yeah. I was so mentally bored when I, I was working. Right. Yeah. Here, I'm just, it's just, I can't wait to get up. I'm like an orange juice commercial, guys. You know when they bounce out of bed? And you're like, who are these people who bounce yeah. out of the bed? Everyone's, everyone's always dancing in commercials, right? It's a tampon commercial. Every girl's dancing. I got my oh, tampon on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know very many women that want to dance during that time. <laughs> no, like, why, just, I always think that. I go, why are people always dancing in commercials? <laughs> yeah, so I'm that person now. And, and I am so miserable, guys. I can't stress I am not the optimist. I, I'm a reluctant optimist. I'm the one who always says this is never going to work, and you know, and, and somehow it, it, it all pans out. So uh, I, I, this is coming from somebody who did not wake up on the cheery side of the bed. Okay, I, I really changed the way I thought, how I acted, and um, it, it really did pan out. You know, uh, this crazy, crazy idea we had panned out. <laughs> Now, is there a nightlife or nice restaurants? Let's say you and Rob want to go out for a nice evening meal. Are there nice restaurants where you guys live? Or are there nightlife opportunities? Maybe you see live music or something like that? Since we now we live um, very close to Tamarindo, which is a real big touristy town. Well, big, yeah. I don't know, big compared to what, but it's one road in, one road out. But uh-huh. it, it's, a, it's a touristy area, so there's lots of restaurants, lots of music, live music, all that kind of thing. I mean, you, you have all that here. When I lived in the mountains, it was less because it was right. a, a Costa Rican community. And, and um, they had nightlife, but nightlife I wasn't used to, you know, like, you know, rodeos, and, you know, things, things like that. Oh, sounds like my you, nightlife here in Texas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> have you two found that you've become friends with a lot of other expats, or, is, or have you become friends with people actually from Costa Rica? What kind of community are you a part of out there? I with a lot, a lot of different people, Costa uh-huh. Ricans and, and, and expats, and, you know, it's, it's easy. If anybody's worried about having friends here or being in the community, you, you tend to be very close niche just because you speak English. You know what I mean? Like you come here and you don't know the language, so you're, you're kind of attracted to people who speak English. Right. Uh, so, right. so, yeah, it's a huge, wonderful community here, and uh, that shouldn't be a reason to not come. There's, a, there's other reasons you shouldn't. That shouldn't be one of them. Right. Right. Now, what about safety issues in terms of crime? Because in Kenya, one of, the things, one of the things we were concerned about in Kenya, especially driving at night, is there's a lot of hijacking-type situations. Carjacking. Yeah, carjacking mm-hmm. happens fairly often there, especially if, if, a, if a woman's driving by herself. And that's something that no one recommends out there in Kenya at night. Usually it's at least a group of people in a car. It's considered less of a target. Is that something that's a concern out there? Is that something that happens frequently, or is that overstated? Because we often hear about that out here. I think there's a lot of um, uh, petty theft. Okay, yeah. That's what, I, that's what I believe is the most problem. And it's, it's usually not home invasions or anything like that. It's right. nice. They wait till you leave your house. Um, <laughs> right. Every so often, there's a, I call them creepy crawlers. I hear of, you know, they came in at night while you were sleeping. So you wake up and, you, and everything looks sort of orderly and clean, but you realize everything's missing. That's why you're clean. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I, I, there's not a big police presence here. And because of that, it's easy to get away with petty thefts and things like that. So because of that, and because my husband's from Brooklyn and he's a little nuts, <laughs> um, we have an alarm on the house. 
you know. But, you know, it's so funny. I explain these things, and, and people in the States already get it. Lock your door. Right, right. Uh, lock your car door. Don't, you know, I, 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 although it's nice to have an ocean breeze coming through your sliding glass doors, don't sleep with your sliding glass doors open. Right. <laughs> you know, it's a lot of common sense things. Sure. Um, but I can tell you one thing. I have never heard of a school shooting here. I have never heard of a terrorist bombing or a threat or a theater getting shot up. Um, right. Not to say that at one point that will never happen here, but there are measures here where I feel very, very safe. I don't worry that some lunatic is going to have an AK-47 and just blow a bunch of people away. There's a less of concern of that. Uh, honestly, I'm concerned my computer's going to get stolen. Well, right. you know, I, I think it's something can be said since they haven't had a, a, a military presence in Costa Rica since, what, 1947? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I think... I mean, now, you can imagine, guys, think of this. Think well, of where you live. Yeah. yeah th- think of where your town that you live in, and tomorrow there's going to be one police officer. What's going to happen? <laughs> okay, so, yeah. so you can imagine. Now, I'm in these communities here where there's very few police officers. They don't get paid a lot. They don't have the right equipment. But still, there's a level of peace and harmony. Right. And there's some problems. But for the most part, it, it, it's a pretty nice place to live. So there's always some sort of balance, and there's always a filter you have to look through when, when, you, when you're dealing with these problems. Right. Do, do you find that a lot of people that are expats – gravitate towards gated communities? Are those popular out there with security and all that, or is that not as, as ubiquitous? You know, it's more popular at the beach. When I was okay. in the mountains, yeah. it really wasn't a sort of thing. It's funny. I wrote in my book when I in the mountains that I lived in a gated community. Right. I get all the flack for that, but there was really no gate. <laughs> oh, yeah. It was a padlock on it, right? <laughs> yeah. And, 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 you could, and I, I mean, anybody could walk right into the place. So I don't think I describe that more accurately. <laughs> what you have me at the padlock. The padlock said it all. And the fact that everybody had a key that lived in the community. And... <laughs> uh, you know, and what I've learned, too, and, and it's very similar to the states, is you find a lot of crime happens by an inside job. Oh, yeah. So sometimes you can be in this great gated community and you have these right, great, right. you know, but how did they know you left? You got robbed when you left. Well, somebody... Right. Maybe the person at the gate just called his friend and said, so-and-so yeah, the just The security left. guard is there. Yeah, the underpaid yeah. security guard right. and his buddy. <laughs> I think it's a universal problem. So I don't know if gated makes you safer. I think if you just take some personal responsibility. Oh, I'll tell you something really funny. They kidnap your car. <laughs> they hold it for <laughs> ransom. That's right. You were writing about that. I remember that. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> all things, you know, you get a phone call. Hey, you know. <laughs> Has, has that happened to you, or has that happened to you too, or is it something you heard about from someone else? No, it, it's common, like having my okay. friends. Okay. Hey, I want <laughs> 50 bucks. You get card back. Okay. Well. <laughs> you know, DVD, you know, everybody loves Raymond for me. I got to go get my car. So I don't even, you know, it's such a silly thing that it's just, it's more funny than anything. Right. Now, what, whatever happened to Dolores, who you read about quite oh, a yeah. bit in the book? <laughs> <laughs> That's a funny lady. Is, is that actually her name, or did you change it to protect her identity? No, I protect everybody. <laughs> I learned my lesson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wrote that first book. Thank God I moved away from the mountains. Because, <laughs> yeah, I changed everybody's name, but I didn't know the book was going to sell. And I didn't know everybody in Costa Rica was going to find out about the book. And there's a passage in there where I wrote, and this is true, this is true, that, that, we had a neighbor, and he walked in, came up to talk to my husband, and they went outside, and he asked my husband to uh, kill his brother. Oh. 
Wow. My husband's from Brooklyn, you know, so, well, you know, he's <laughs> Tony Soprano all of a sudden. Yeah. So my husband comes in, he's like, can you believe this guy? Can you believe he asked me that? Like, what am I going to do, get my Brooklyn friends go to Oklahoma? In a <laughs> like, you're not going to notice us? Yeah. You know, the guys in the sweatsuits? So I thought it was a real sneaky <laughs> And I wrote about it, right? So then everybody in Costa Rica finds out about the book, and they find out about it, and they write me this great email saying, we just bought 12 books, and we're giving them out to all our family members, and we're so happy that we got to meet you and you were our neighbor. And I almost died because they didn't read yet that I wrote that he asked to kill his brother. <laughs> and I guess if you're giving the books out, is he giving a book out to his brother? <laughs> and in it, you would know it's them because I call them the kooky kayakers. They're the only people I know who ship kayaks down here. <laughs> so I had to write an apology to them, and they got, they're furious with us and wrote a oh, nasty man. response back. So, oh, that's too funny. Yeah, yeah, I got a little tangled. So I changed everybody's name now. Nobody, you know, nobody knows who anybody is anymore. Do you, do you find that you get recognized out there? Are you, are, you, are you a bit of a little celebrity where people are like, hey, that's the writer of that book? It's, it's, it's happening more so these last six months. Like yeah. I got off my kayak the other day, and somebody said, "You happened to a billionaire? How is, it <laughs> How is that even possible?" I get recognized on the, in the airport. It's odd. Like there's weird things that's happening. That it's it's a new experience for me. So it's funny, and uh, and yeah. So it's it's a little weird, but it's fun. <laughs> no doubt. Now, how often have you two been back to the states? If at all, have you have you traveled outside of South America while you've been down there? If you've gone to Europe or U.S. or anywhere else, we uh, well, while we were down here, we do our, we did our visa runs before we got residency because you mm-hmm. have to leave every ninety days. Right. right. We did the Nicaragua thing and the Panama thing, and those were just great and fun and crazy. And um, before in the book, I wrote about when we went to Zurich, Switzerland, to open up a bank account. Oh, that's right. That was, that was, that was hilarious. That's one of the dumbest things my husband ever wrote me. <laughs> trip alone costs so much money, far okay. outweighed any money we would have saved if yeah. we would have put our money there, which we didn't. But um, I just like the way he transported love... the money, though, in his pants. That was beautiful. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, that was hilarious. That was so my awesome. husband can fit 12 grand worth of colognes in his pants. <laughs> all the world who's listening to this. Our own personal safe deposit box down there. So, uh yeah, yeah, it's uh, – I love to travel, and I'd love to go to more places. For yeah, sure. the reason why I ask, I'm just curious if, if you come back to the like, – when, when you come back to the U.S., just what you think of it now after being in Costa Rica for so long. I think there's a lot of concrete. <laughs> <laughs> it's got to feel – I, noticed, I can't say I ever noticed it, but I, I now am very aware of every single strip mall. I right, know. right. Every Yeah, that's where I was going because I travel a lot in my line of work, and I've traveled a lot since I was a kid, and it it really changes your perspective. It's almost like your brain chemistry has been permanently altered, so you just look at things totally different. Yeah, you know what? I just wish there was more trees, you know, and birds, and I think it would serve us all well if we didn't, you know, lay asphalt on every single stretch of our country. It's, It's worthy of us to appreciate what we have. And, um, you know, people have criticized me and says, oh, you're turning into a big tree hugger, you know, or like that's a bad thing. I don't know. <laughs> but, you know, it, 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 it's like medicine, you know, it's nature's medicine and we should appreciate it. And 
And, uh, but I don't know what to do about that because I don't think development stops and, and changes. And, but when I go home, when I, well, when you fly into Costa Rica, you look down, it's just all land. It's beautiful. And I fly into Newark, New yeah. Jersey, and it's just <laughs> lights and buildings. yeah, factories and oil refineries and all sorts right. of things. <laughs> yeah. No, there, there's something very mentally cleansing about it. That's, what, that's when the first time I ever went to Kenya, I was 15, and it, it really made an impact on me. You're, you're at a safari park, and you're just out in basically the middle of nowhere. It's, it seems that your, your, your clarity of your mind just starts coming together and you just why did you go out there well my dad works for the un he works for the united he worked for the un his whole career he was in, in the imf so he was he's actually a, a an expert in the economy in a variety of different african countries so he's constantly even now as a retiree he's still hired as a consultant a lot he's going out there in a week so he's, he's been out there many times so he he thought it was important for us to see the world and my mother's from India, so I have that international background as well. My father's from Montana, and my, and my mother's from India. But anyway, as, as a result of all of that, we traveled a great deal. And he felt, he felt it was important for us to go to Kenya and see real poverty, abject poverty, just like what we saw in India when I was probably 12 years old, and uh, just experience how other people live their life. And it was, it was very important. It was one of the smartest things he, they did, my parents, is let us experience the world at a very young age. And Kenya, Kenya, I found to be, at first, it's, it's somewhat stressful because you're out there and you're like, wow, look at this, especially when you're in the city in Kenya, like Nairobi, it's kind of a dumpy city, at least it was at that time. But once you get out of that area and you're, you're out in, in nature and you're seeing lions roaming around, not in a zoo, but in their natural habitat, you're seeing giraffes, you're seeing elephants, you're, seeing, you're experiencing all of these different things, you're seeing the most spectacular sunsets you've ever seen. And that, that's going to have a profound effect on you. So you just, you just start becoming much more at peace with yourself. You start becoming you – know, you just have this level of clarity where you see your life in a much more focused way, and your whole perspective on things changes quite a bit. I so, think we've all had a moment when we've traveled yeah. where oh, yeah. You, yeah. you realize that very first time that life does not revolve around you. Right, right. It, it, it's shocking, you know. You're like, oh, yeah. they don't do it this way. Everything's different. Nothing's the same. And it's that, 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 that one moment of just terror and fear and what's going on. And then, you know, it just washes over you how great it is that nobody does everything the same, that it's different and people look different and, and foods are different. And right. uh, it sounds like you just you had such a great experience at a young age. Well, I think one of the things a lot of Americans don't realize is that I think a lot of Americans feel that everyone would be happier if they had the American lifestyle. Yeah, and these are usually people that have never been outside the country who believe exactly. this. So they're like, oh, everyone in Kenya is miserable. Everyone in Uganda is miserable. Yeah, everyone in Costa Rica is dying. You know, they're like, dying. They need, and they're, <laughs> yeah, they need strip malls. They need big movie theaters. They need they, McDonald's. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> then, then they'll be happy. But then when, when you go out there and, and you're going through this really impoverished town and the kids are smiling and they're running around playing in the dirt and you know, everyone's happy. I'm not saying that that's an ideal lifestyle either, but, but, but it's a lot different than what people imagine it's going to be. They imagine that. I, I really understand that because yeah. we're, when I say something similar to that, which what you just said, yeah. I'm not advocating poverty. Right. You know, I'm not saying, oh, we, these people need to live without things because that makes them so happy. It, it, it's, it's, it's different. It's, they are happy and have a sense of, of community and family 
right. without being surrounded by distractions. And it's different. I don't want the people here to be impoverished. I want everybody to have a good job and a good lifestyle. But right. we've had that in the United States, and we have gone so far in the other extreme on materialism that it's almost like we came around full circle and they're miserable again. It's crazy. I, mean, I think the problem is that happiness is not a goal. Right, so it's like happiness is, mm-hmm. is it's not a goal in the U.S. It's more of a of it's like that's uh, you know it's you'll be happy. Like luxury you have to buy. Yeah, yeah. It's, 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 not, like, it's, it's not happiness. Just, like yeah, exactly. It's not happiness like the thing for that the you Naturally, have it's just something that you have to go out and get. It's not so. It's like oh, you can't have it right now in this state. You have to actually go and get happiness. You have to go and buy some happiness, or you have to attain all these things for happiness. Right. It's almost like you're not going to be able to achieve happiness. So just get a bunch of material things. You know, you accept the fact that you're going to hate your job, but you make good money. So make sure you go buy a nice car and a yacht and go on nice vacations so you can you know, live for the weekends. So it, it, that, that's the bill of goods that a lot of people have bought into, that yeah. the, the idea of waking up and being excited about what you do, because that's how I am. That's how you are. That's how sincere yeah. is. You know, that that's. I mean, you tell people that, and they don't they even know what. They think we're weird. To, yeah, they don't even know what to say to that. Yeah. Like when I when I tell oh, people so what funny. I do. Yeah. It's so funny. That we had someone like there's this tea shop we love to go to out here, and the lady was asking us. So you know we've known them since they pretty much opened the place. So she's talking to us because she hasn't seen us in a while because we moved away from the area, so we don't go there as frequently as we used to. So she was catching up. She's like, "How have you guys been? Oh, we're good. So what have you been doing? Okay, we got another house at." We pretty much, well, you're working hard, how are the kids? Because they've seen my kids since they were little. But now, you know, my daughter's in high school, and I was telling her that. She goes, oh, and your son's in college? Yeah, I bet it's pretty expensive. I'm like, no, it's not. She's like, what do you mean? I said, because he pays for everything. And she just looked at me. And I'm like, no, seriously, they've, they've known since they were children, since they were babies almost, that when they got to college, it was going to be on them. That's, but we prepared them for that. We told them, like, hey, get a job, get your own money, because they can appreciate going to college that way, if they're paying for everything. Okay. Oh, my gosh. Now, if they get into a jam, okay, maybe we'll come in and bail them out. And if the jam was not necessarily their fault. So if it's something, if something they did and they were being careless or reckless, then they need to fix it. So the lady just looked at me because she was like, oh, but I pay for so much stuff for my son and this, and I don't understand what you're saying. I'm like, no, this is what we've created for them. And also we started talking about Costa Rica, and she said, well, how are you going to be able to do that? you got to with, – with work and all this, I'm like, no, we work from home and – We've set up our lives where we can work anywhere in the world. And it's so funny. She just gave us this look. She's like, I don't understand. And we were like, no, no, this is the life we've created for ourselves. And she's like, huh. And she kind of just got up and walked away. And pretty much when we go in that tea shop the last couple of times, she hadn't really said anything to us. It made her so uncomfortable, I guess. She just couldn't get it. And it's so weird because the lady was so friendly. And, and we consider her a friend, but it just seemed, it got really weird after that conversation. It's, it's so too much of a curveball for some people. Right. Yeah, so right. crazy. Well, it's like you said, Nadine, with that, that show you and Rob were on, where a lot of your friends and family were saying, "Look, everyone's miserable. Why are you? Why are you two going to be the exception?" You know? <laughs> oh my god, and, it's and, so and funny. I, a lot of my friend like, who said that watched that. He's like, "Yeah, yeah I did say that." That's exactly <laughs> what I said. And know what's funny? My I would say because my husband wanted to do this first. Right, right. And I was hesitant. You know, my parents said no. And, and all these other people were coming into my life saying, are you crazy? And, and I'd go home and I'd say, but Rob, so-and-so said we shouldn't do it. He's like, they're miserable. Why are you listening to miserable people? I mean, if you said, you know, the Pope said don't do it or something or somebody <laughs> with some clarity, 
maybe I would listen, but you're asking people who are on the verge of divorce, right. who are you know maxed out on their credit cards, who things aren't going right in their life, why would you ever take their advice? And it was a really funny moment because I, I think a lot about that and how I now the, the same thing now in my life. I'm very careful who I'm taking advice from and who I allow to you know spout out their opinions to me. Right, absolutely. But I, I think people often I, I think people have the wrong focus a lot of times where. Like, for example, sincere, I've talked about people who, who say that, you know, if I can't be the best at this, then why bother? And I, I think that's a really erroneous way to look at it. It's a very flawed mentality. It's like, how about you just enjoy doing it? You know, I don't, I don't have to be the richest fitness person in the mm-hmm. world. You know, I just I like doing things my way without compromising it. I, I, I can be who I am. My message is authentic to who I am. Enough people like that, that I make a great living. You know, mm-hmm. why isn't that enough? where I have to put this unnecessary pressure on myself and say, well, no, I can't be happy now. I have to, yeah. I'm only going to be happy until I achieve this. And a lot of people do that, whether it's a fitness goal or a monetary goal or they're single and they want to get married. Like, no, when I have that, then I'll be happy. It's like a cancer. Yeah. You know, exactly. it really is like a cancer. And we, my husband, you know, we have this discussion. It's like when you, when you find out, find out about these millionaires, people who have, $200 million, and then they get arrested because they stole another 30 Why would you steal 30 <laughs> right. Why? Right. You have $200 right. million. Dollars. Or if you had $5 million, why are you stealing another $1 million? Right. You know, it really is a cancer. It's a cancer full of desire. Everybody, you know, the, one of the biggest parts is we all have these desires, and desires is usually what's making us unhappy. Right. You're desiring things you need to quench, and then you quench them and you want more desires. Right. And when I saw that in myself, where I was just chasing the, for me, it was smaller things. Like I go to Target and buy more bath towels. Do you know how many bath <laughs> towels I owned in my own closet? And my husband's like, why are you buying more? I don't know. Right, I'm so right. unhappy. And I bought another <laughs> vacuum machine. You know, just silly things. But in the same, in the same vein, and to some extent, desires, wanting more, trying to fill a need, trying to fix things. And uh, just like what you said, you know, people are chasing the wrong thing. And the hardest thing for me to do, because I, I answer a lot of emails, is, is I, I can't tell you exactly how it feels to do this move. I, 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 I write about my fears and things, but you have to experience it for yourself. You have to go through those fears. You have to let everything go. It's very hard to move here and bring your things. You have to think twice about that. You know, the, the best thing to do when you move here is be free, all these places rent furnished, Get rid of your stuff and start fresh. And it's amazing how your life is going to change in ways you never anticipated. Yeah. Well, what, is, what has been the thing that sticks out the most, if there's any one thing, the thing that surprised you the most about the move to Costa Rica, the, the, a pleasant surprise, something where you're like, wow, I didn't expect that, and it was, it was like the biggest benefit that you didn't expect? I don't think I expected how nice people were going to be to me. Mm-hmm. I don't – you know, in our country, there's always that debate about immigration and the Mexicans are coming and taking our jobs and, you know, people are stealing our jobs. And, right. and um, I remember being in, in the States and being online and, and there was a Mexican woman with her baby and she was holding up the line because she couldn't understand English and everybody was getting huffy and puffy and, and annoyed with her. And after that experience, you know, when she left, I'm like, I wish I could have helped her. I didn't know the language or you know, how to speak Spanish. You know, I wish I could have just been nice to her. She had a baby in her arms, you know. Right, right. And when I moved here, when I was in that situation now, now I'm the one holding up the line. 
people behind are nice. People behind are saying, uh, well, I don't, I don't understand English. They make a phone call to call their cousin. This is somebody behind me on a grocery line and would give me the phone and help with this translation. And I was just shocked that, that five people behind me aren't mad at me for holding up the line. They're willing to help. Right. And I reflect on that a lot. I'm embarrassed about that situation in Walmart with me. When I didn't tell the people, listen, let's just try to help her. She probably just can't understand the money, maybe. That's the thing right there that I noticed the most about being in Kenya and Uganda. I mean, we would, we would get a flat tire on the side of the road. The first car that drove by would come and help. And mm-hmm. sometimes they would be out there with us for hours helping us out, mm-hmm. you know, not even in care of whatever they were on their way to do. They just see a guy on the side of the road. They need some help. Let's go help them out. And, and, and they say and, that, that here a lot too. Yeah, yeah that, they was, that was common. I mean, that happened. Every, I remember we broke down in the middle of nowhere at this game park, and literally 30 minutes later, some guy drove by, and he just stopped and he he made sure that we got what we needed before he went on his way. And in the U.S., no no one's going to do that. You're on the side of the road. You're thinking like, what if they try to rob me? Yeah, right, right, right. And it's funny because I I said that once to a Costa Rican who helped us on the side of the road. I'm like, thank you so much, you know, where I'm from. Just don't see this a lot. And he goes, well, why? And I said, well, because we probably thought you were going to kill us. And he gave me a look like he got his car real quick and he got the heck out of there. I don't think he expected that. But um, <laughs> but I know what you mean. There's these these uh, I don't even want to say they're random acts of kindness because they happen too often here. I go to the grocery store here and there's a woman there who's learning English who works there and she seeks me out to say hi to me. I mean she she walks away from her station and finds me in the aisle and she says you know hi and we talk a little bit and she goes back and I love that interaction. Just right. love that so much and and the banks here you let the older people go in front. You let the pregnant people go in front, and that could, you know, really make the line a whole lot longer. But nobody, you know, huffs and puffs. It's just how it's done here. It's a nice gesture, though. You know, isn't yeah, that isn't because, it crazy that, yeah. that you bring this up, that we even have to bring this up in this conversation? Yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> it's just so right. crazy. Yeah. I mean, yeah, in the States, it's sad to say, but everybody's in a rush. A little old lady needs to go to the front of the line. You'll tackle her. You'll absolutely tackle her. <laughs> no, it, remi- it reminds yeah, exactly. me when I was going through with security at, I think it was a Miami airport, and there was, there was, there was a lady, several people in front of me, several, several people ahead in the line, and she, she had two kids, and she obviously had her hands full. And this guy behind her was just getting flustered. He's like, look, would you hurry up? You're holding up the line. And she had this Brooklyn accent, or not Brooklyn accent, Boston accent. It's like, look, you fucking asshole. You're just going to have to be a man, okay? Just be a man and deal with it. You know? And I was like, that's, that's probably the best response you could have given. But it, to me, it seemed like the obvious thing to do, and I've done this myself, is when you see someone with their hands full like that, you, you want to make the line move faster? To help them out. Help? Exactly. Yeah, you want to make your community I mean, better? I think, yeah, I think you should help them out anyway. Who cares about how, how fast the line is moving? But if you actually want to get what you want, like if this guy's desire is for this line to move faster – you know, being a jerk like that, it's not going to make the line move faster. Now, now she's got her hands full and she has to tell you off, you know, exactly. <laughs> which is slowing her down. When if you just say, hey, look, let me give you a hand here. Let me help you out. She's going to be appreciated. It's, it's the right thing to do. It's a nice thing to do. And it's going to help you, too. You know, there's a, there's a um, kid here, a college kid, who um, came to an area. And there's a town not too far from here that's, that's pretty poor. And he, he saw people, you know, really struggling. So he's sitting in a restaurant. It's an open-air restaurant. And, he, and he, there was a blackboard there. And he put an English word up, a couple English words. People sat down. They wanted to learn English. 
So we put a few more up, and that one moment turned into weeks of people showing up, small kids, adults, and he started this charity, a really wonderful charity called Opening Minds. And what they do is they teach English to the community because I never understood why the area was so poor because there's tourism here. And he explained to me that because they know no English, they can't even get a waitressing job or waitering job. That job will change their life if they can yeah, get that. Right. Yeah. Wow. And all it takes is for somebody to come and, and teach them English. And he said to me that something that always will stick with me. I saw a need and I filled it. I think about that a lot. Yeah. A hungry dog here. Right. Okay. I'll feed them. Right. If I see, you know, a child that needs a little help, you know, I'll give them a few bucks. I don't need to be, feel like I need to be Warren Buffett. I just need to come up, when when something comes across me, I need to give back. Now, if we all did that, just like you said at the airport, perfect example, just help the lady. Yeah. You know, you see it, help it. And, And now... Um, down here, I just apply that where I go. The moment somebody needs me, I help and I move on. And if I just think that could just be such a wonderful trend if we all just did that. It could really, you know, I don't expect government to change the problems that we have. We obviously can see that it just creates more and more problems. I think right, we right. can change the problems just by changing our attitude. Right. Yeah, I think that's probably one of the biggest problems also in the U.S. is this learned helplessness where people feel that, Oh, it's the government's responsibility to do that. The government should do something about that. When is the government going to take care of this? Mm-hmm. And I think a much better attitude is you, know, you take charge of your own life. You do what you can when, when, when the opportunity is there. Like, I mean, those, those little acts of kindness are useful. So you see someone in need, you know, you're not going to save everyone in the world, but you can help that individual. You can help that abandoned animal. It's just, it's, I mean, you can, you can do, I mean, if everyone does those things in his or her daily life, it all adds up. And start, Absolutely. Yeah, and, you know, we had an earthquake here, and it, uh, it, it cracked the water supply, wherever the pump was, or, you know, the big thing for the town. All the men got in their car, all of them in the community, and they went down there to, to, to be with the workers and help fix the problem. And I just, I just thought that was amazing. Nobody hesitated. Nobody thought. It, it's a community effort. And I love that around here. And I, I know in, in the States and other places when there's a big catastrophe and something horrible happens, the towns do come together and all these right. things happen. Right. But right. I wish we would see that on smaller levels. Right. I yeah. agree. Yeah. Exactly. Well, I think, I mean, we could talk to you forever. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you're an interesting guest. No, you guest. guys are great. We don't want to, we don't really want, awesome. Yeah, we don't want to keep you on all day long. So thanks, thank you so much for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. And your, your book is just a pleasure. I, I'm oh, just yeah. about, I'm, I think I'm down to the last 40 pages or so, which I'm going to save for my flight tomorrow. I'm flying out to the UK. Yeah, now, yeah I'm all excited fun book. to get through this one so I can move on to the, because I bought yeah, both yeah. books. So I want to see what the sequel is going to be like. Exactly. It's time to get to your trilogy here. And yeah. I, I, see, I see some movies coming out soon. Yeah, take no that. Well, I have, I have some hammocks waiting for you guys down here. <laughs> Sounds and, good. Uh, some, some smoothies. Let's keep it healthy. Well, I, actually, uh, funny you bring that up because Sincere and I have some contacts in Costa Rica who run some gyms out there. So we actually are in the early stages of discussing doing a, a joint workshop down there. So oh, that, that it's going to be such hard work, guys. Oh, <laughs> such hard work. <laughs> it's a tough living, but you know, we're, we're, we're going we're gonna, to we're find the room in our schedule to, to make a trip down there. Well, but, you're uh, always yeah. welcome, and I, I hope one day I get to meet you guys. And I yeah, wish I you all the luck, and thank you so much for having me on. I love to – 
to talk about my experience and share it with other people. And, um, you know, I just hope to be on again sometime. Yeah, we'd love to have you on. Now, real quick. Can you tell everybody where they can find more information yeah. about you, Nadine? Yeah, just your website, et cetera. Yeah, you could. It's uh, happierinthebillionaire.com. It's my blog, Happier Billionaire on Facebook, Punching Happier in the Billionaire. You're going to find me everywhere. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just happying it up everywhere. Yeah. That's pretty much much. <laughs> we get that impression. I think that comes through clearly. Thanks, <laughs> thanks again. We really appreciate having you on. Thanks a lot, guys. Right, take take care. care. Thank you. Bye. And that is Nadine. Her book is Happier Than a Billionaire. It's a fun read. I mean, even if you're not even contemplating moving to Costa Rica, even if you're thinking, you know what, I like where I'm at. I don't need to move anywhere. It's still a fun read. Oh, it's, interesting. Yeah. It's, it's, it's always interesting to hear about other people's experiences. Those are my favorite kind of books, autobiographies, biographies, just people talking about their adventures in life. Those are always really fun to read. Yeah, and it's just I don't know, just I resonate with her sense of humor so much, and that's what made the book yeah. fun. Like you said, from the first sentence, and when she just talked about the patient and farting, it was kind of like the epiphany. That was the aha moment right there. So, <laughs> speaking of farting, dude. <laughs> okay, yeah, I got my, I've got, I've got my own Let's talk about your corny experience. <laughs> yeah, I went to check out Corn this past weekend. Awesome band, folks. I mean, if you're looking for a great live band, I mean, even if, even if you're not someone who likes to sit around and really listen to their music, because – I, I like Horn, but I don't have a lot of their songs on my iPhone. I don't sit around and listen to it too much. I do like them, but they're, they're not you know, my top five band or anything. But live, they're incredible. They're an incredible band. They have a, a very devoted fan base. I mean, the whole crowd is really getting into it. They know every song. But over in the area where we're sitting, there was a lady who uh, – we're, we're, we're in, a, we're in, a, in an area where it's right next to the floor. So it's, it's low, close to the stage. And there was a lady sitting on this divider, and three songs into corn, she just falls right over. And it happened so fast, I didn't, I didn't even really notice it. Like, I see it out of my peripheral vision. I'm like, whoa, what happened? This lady just fell over. So I, I lean over to make sure she's okay. She's not knocked out unconscious or her head's bleeding or anything like that. She's, she's okay. I just say, stay down there for a minute. You know, give, your, give yourself a second to gather yourself, take a breath. And then I pick her up to get her back on her feet, and... All of a sudden, I didn't hear it, but obviously, <laughs> obviously, she used a fart to help propel her back up to her feet. <laughs> and I don't know if it was the shock of falling over that that fart came out. I don't know if she was trying to give me a hand. Like, well, let me. You're you're being so nice, helping me back to my feet. Let me help you a little bit. I'm gonna fart a little bit. And just you know, we're both fitness experts, so I can say, folks, when you, when you're doing a heavy barbell squat, it's not gonna help. You know, you get to the bottom and you're stuck. That that fart is not going to help propel you back. It's not going to help you with your side press either, kettlebell folks. <laughs> you know, it's like at the workshops. Every time I teach Yonda sit-ups, there's always inevitably some guy who farts during that. And I go, it doesn't help. It's not going to help you, folks. <laughs> so anyway, this, this lady had a rough night. She had one too many drinks. And I'm thinking, I'm like, God, what a waste of a good night. Because if, if you just had a couple drinks, got a nice buzz, you would have enjoyed a great show. And had a good night, but she obviously had way too many. Sloppy drunk, damn near had a concussion. And, and it's, it's not a good look, ladies. No, it's, no, no one looks great drunk, but it's it's like doubly unattractive when women are just that drunk and out and about. It's not a good look. You know, it's a yeah, very well, unattractive it's look for you. Is I know it's not a good look for men either to be sloppy drunk, because he he's the dude that's always in your face with a really crappy drunk breath. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, it's either someone biggest, who's too happy. Oh, man, yeah, he thinks he's the biggest, he the biggest player in the room. He's like, hey, every, every word he uses starts with H. 
<laughs> so the, fun, the funny, the funny. Hey, how are you? Like God, halitosis. There's another <laughs> It's funny, it's funny though, that the, the best entertainment in Las Vegas is people watching. I'm telling you, man, oh, if yeah. you want entertainment, go find a comfortable couch somewhere in a casino where you can get a nice view of stuff, get a nice beverage, and get ready to watch the madness unfold. It is the <laughs> best entertainment, and it doesn't cost a dime. Forget about going to Las Vegas shows or anything like that. This, folks, is the best entertainment. I mean, a couple of weeks ago, another show, Shinedown and Papa Roach were yeah. playing – at the same, not the same venue, but they're at the same casino where Nelly was playing at the beach. So you can imagine at the at the fake That's pool, at the fake fake beach, fake pool at the Hard Rock. Ima- imagine that the, that the crowd of those two different shows at the same place. So anyway, walking into Shinedown, I see this one guy talking to a lady, and you could just tell by his body language, he's thinking, "Oh, I've got this." You know, I'm like, "Hey," so he's like, "You could just tell, like, hey, so are we going to go back to my room or what?" He's probably saying something like that. Her body language, on the other hand, was uh, not even remotely into it. She wasn't leaning in. She was standing back. She had that kind of mild repulsion look on her face. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I, it, was, it, was, it was one of those things where I wish I took a picture because it, was, it would have been classic to post that up. Because in his mind, he's thinking, like you just said, Sincere, I'm the Magnati man. Yeah, I know she's into it. And her, it couldn't be anything further from that. So, I mean, yeah, yeah, you that's the, the kind Mac of Daddy, stuff. But your breath smells like the exhaust from a Mack truck. That's the kind of stuff you see on a Friday night in Vegas. It's hilarious. The other thing that's really funny is you go to the Palms Casino where they have the Playboy Club, right? Now, right. every girl who goes to this casino thinks that she has to look like a Playboy model. So what she's they do get is – discovered at that yeah, point. She, she's wearing they – wear, they wear what I like to call skirt shirts. All right. These are the kind of skirts where you have to shave a lot more than your legs before you go out. <laughs> okay. Come on. Come on. There's a reason why Chelsea Handler calls it a Pikachu. <laughs> now, now, now we know who keeps the, the bleached a-hole place in business. <laughs> this lady had one of these skirt shirts on, and then she dropped her keys, and you know she dropped something else. I was like, oh, this is going to be interesting. How is she going to pick these keys up? Because She's got these high heels on where she's either going to have to do like a full squat straight down, pick it up and come right back up. And she didn't look like she had the ankle mobility for that. Or she's going to have to bend over and give everyone a view of what's beneath. And some good Samaritan came along and helped her out. So it's because otherwise they saw the same thing. Like, okay. Yeah. She's standing there thinking, uh, you know, what am I going to do? Like, I, I can't even bend over. And, you know, it's like, you know what? If you can't bend over to pick something up, Probably chances are your skirt's a little bit too Change short. Change the wardrobe. <laughs> you know, think about the thing that uh, it's, it's usually a much younger woman that wears this because oh, women yeah. women past their thirties are are much more confident just because of just just like we all are, right? Life experience and so forth, where they realize, you know what? I don't have to show it all to get people to look. They're going to look anyway. You know, if you're it's a, just, com- if you're a when there's guys involved. Yeah. <laughs> ladies, ladies yeah. let me say something to you right now. We don't care. <laughs> okay. One thing about men, if they're into women, that's all we need, <laughs> that you just be a woman. You don't have to work that hard. We're simple creatures <laughs> to a fault. We're so simple. It's so, I, always t- I tell my daughter that all the time. I said, let me tell you, boys are dumb. <laughs> they're very dumb. You don't have to go out of your way to do anything for us. They're, we're very simple. So it's just that now the thing is, ladies, yeah, boys are stupid and simple. It takes a lot. It's, a man's going to want a little bit more, okay? And it's not, that's not that's show more, but be more. And you have some more substance to you. That, and that's there's true. a difference. As, as Trust you get me. older, you find that. Exactly. The guy that's exactly. excited about the shirt skirt, 
he's not necessarily the person you probably want to put a, you know, have him put a ring on you. Okay? <laughs> he's going to put a ring in other places that it probably won't be able to like wash away later on. So just, just move on. Trust me. That's not the guy you probably want to attract in the first place. So. No, but Vegas is a funny place. I think people take that whole what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas a little bit yeah. too much to heart. And they feel like they need to have this kind of hangover movie experience <laughs> when they come out here when, in reality, the best time is going to be hanging out with cool people. Maybe you have a drink or two. You go to a good concert. You go to a good, good restaurant. Yeah, I mean, you know, I like to have a drink or two every once in a while too, but I, I also want to have control over my senses. I don't want to be someone who's so sloppy drunk that, you know, I can't drive now or – I, I'm a, I'm a, I, I can't protect people I can't get around back me. To my room, you know, I can't get yeah, yeah, exactly. GM, you know, without falling on my face. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's just not a good look. You know, no. it's just not, it's, it's not fun either. And you're not going to, it's certainly not fun the next morning when you're. There's nothing worse than. I think what stops me from drinking. I mean, I don't, I don't like to drink a lot anyway. But I think one of the things that is the biggest deterrent for me is the hangover the next day. Yeah, you know that, what? And as, when you cross over that 30 experience. threshold, and as you get older, those sons of you bitches, like, it's harder for them to go away. Yeah. That, it, that it, next day is even worse. worse. And, if, and, when, and when you have a clean lifestyle like we do, you know, you oh, eat good food and so forth, you know, forget it. Forget it. So it's just not it's – just and it's just, it's just not fun anyway. It kind of goes uh-huh. back to Nadine. It's, it's what she's talking about. It's just another distraction. You know, you're not happy about your life, so you feel that you have to get blasted every weekend. Exactly. And that that's not the solution. No. It's not the solution at all. And I think the hangovers you, are no fun. And and what's so crazy about hangovers as you start getting older, it's not just your head hurting anymore. Now those muscles are starting to ache and you start asking something like, Well damn, when I was drunk last night, did I bust out and start doing Hindu push ups in the middle of the club or something? Because why yeah, is my body so sore and so aching? It's all, there's dude, a new type of inflammation going on right now. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that, my time for sore time. Yeah, exactly. That, that's one of the worst feelings too, isn't it? Where you where you you have these all these blank moments, and people are telling you, "Oh, you don't remember doing this, oh, you don't God, remember doing that," and you don't know where they're telling you the truth or not. <laughs> they could they could be like, "You don't remember grabbing that guy's ass and giving him a hug?" It's like, what are you talking about? I didn't do that. And like, you know what's yeah, fun yeah, now, you Mike? <laughs> you know what's really fun about that? That we can be the ones telling that story to someone. <laughs> like, yeah, 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 yeah. Hey, man, no, all, story, all I know is that hey, when that when Tiesto dropped that song, you grabbed the guy right next to you, and you just full on just threw your tongue down his mouth. It's like, man, the way you were <laughs> like, chasing I did that what? Hey, I'm not judging, bro. <laughs> it's like the way you were chasing down that transvestite, I'm telling you, man, that went down. <laughs> hey, man, you shouldn't have dropped your pants in front of those tigers at the MGM Grand, man. <laughs> it took everything to keep security off of you. I did what? <laughs> but oh, you said something man. about tiger blood, your pants came down. I don't know, man. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is hilarious, man. Well, hey, uh, how about we get to a few of these listener questions, and then hey, we'll, we'll wrap it up. There's a couple of cool ones here. It's like, well, we, we, got, we, had, we answered this question before, but I, I think I have a couple of things to add to it. One was, you know, what do you guys do when you go on vacation or to work out, stay in shape, and so forth? I mean, one, one thing I like to do is – and I'll even do this when I'm – like I'm about to be gone for about 12 days now teaching. So what I'll do is I'll, I'll ramp up my workouts where I purposely go into a semi-overtrained state. In other words, I push it a lot harder knowing that I'm not going to be working out consistently for a while. Right. And what happens is you basically go into super compensation mode, and when you come back, you're ready to go. So one thing you can do is let's say you're going to go on to Hawaii for a week, and you're just going to – you might be active, but you're not, you don't, you're not going to lift weights or have access to a gym or anything like that. 
So what you can do is the, the week before, just work out harder than you normally do. You know, ramp up the intensity, go for some PRs, things like that, to the point where you're actually going to have to take a week off after that week because you pushed right. it that hard. And then so you time that week off with your vacation where you're going to be relaxed anyway in a different environment. So it's a perfect opportunity for that super compensation because you're already going to be in a totally relaxed state as it is. So that, that's one option. I like that idea, and the, just to piggyback off of that, sure. once you like take the vacation, that's the perfect time to really go into the recovery-type exercises, like a, med- a, a mindful walk or even a fasted right. walk the right. first thing in the morning before you even have breakfast, which is ideal because you're not really stressing your body out by doing some vigorous exercise on empty stomach. And I've known, I mean, it's worked for me in the past with a fasted walk where I've actually like – cut fat from doing that because again i'm not going into a high cortisol state by trying to work out really hard on an empty stomach and all of a sudden you know i'm being really stressed out and getting really inflamed so that's another thing to consider a nice fasted walk while you're there right before you start breakfast while you're on your vacation after you've done what mike just suggested before you left for vacation and really going into that mode where you have to recover but that's an awesome way to recover right there and other than that just an evening walk when you're on vacation Walk with your significant other, insignificant other, who knows? But any of those things, <laughs> no, I'm not judging. But go grab yeah, a stranger, that's go a perfect time to walk, especially when some, right. most of the time when people are doing a routine, I hear it all the time, and you tell them, like, well, what should I do on my week off? I'm like, walk. And they're thinking, well, I can go to the gym and get on a treadmill and run. No, walk. Well, here's a perfect opportunity to take away that, let's just say, that temptation to want to really work out hard because you're already in that vacation mind state. Go ahead right during this time to really appreciate what walking can do for you as far as recovery. And a lot of times, let's say, if you're going to walk, do it without your headphones. Be very in the moment. And it's not trying to be hokey or anything like this. It's just, it's true. You'll be very surprised at how your recovery is during that time when you just really, like we were talking about with Nadine, you, you just, being aware and you're in the moment and you're living right now and just really checking things out for what they are without the distractions of stuff going on. And you're actually really in vacation mode. Cause a lot of times let's, let's admit it, Mike, a lot of folks go on vacation. They're not on vacation. What they end up doing is they travel somewhere for about a week or two and they're still, well, checking email. They're checking their phone. They don't even leave it up. Just try to tell someone to leave their phone at home when they go on vacation and they'll probably panic. They probably oh, they wouldn't even know how to function. Like, no, just leave your phone. Just go on your vacation. Just turn everything off and just go. I, I, I'm pretty sure there's some people listening to this right now. Just the thought of that is already probably sending them to in a very, very anxiety-type state just thinking about that. Right. What am I supposed to do? What if something goes wrong in my business or my job? That's the whole purpose of you going on vacation, to get away from all that madness, at least for a week. Right. You know, right. And I like the idea of what you said. We talked about this. Just taking two weeks to a month off, just go. I know not everyone can do that. Right. But right. it but just the thought of that, just, ah, or if you are just at that position where you just have one week off for vacation, take that week off with that mindset of what we're talking about, just thinking of someone that could go off for two weeks to a month and just really use that week just as if someone were going for two weeks to a month and really put it all in, make the most of those seven days and treat it as if you had 30 of them. Yeah, I mean, people have to do the best they can in whatever their situation is. Yeah. Some people it might be two days, but I, but I got to to be perfectly honest, man. You know, two days relaxing is not even close. No, it's not week. enough, man. Yeah, it's not because you people try just, that with weekends. It's just not enough. Exactly. You're just starting to get relaxed, and then you got to go right back, back into to the your grind. Yeah. 
So you, you, you're not getting the full benefit. You're just starting to unwind, and then bam, bam right back, back to in. it. <laughs> two weeks, tea. though. It's a two tea. weeks. Two weeks. What happens is the first week, like halfway through the first week, you're in that relaxed state, and then you have another full week to really enjoy being in that relaxed state. So you come back, and bam, you're recharged. So I mean, it's it's. I mean, I'm not. We all realize that it's, it's a tough economy out there, and a lot of people are thinking, "Come on, guys, I, I can't even take the day off, let alone that." And we're not. We're, I'm not saying that you're a bad person because you can't do that. I'm just saying that these are certain realities here that mm-hmm. think about trying to make that happen down the road, though. Because it's like I tell people who are going, "Look, I can't, I can't get more than five hours of sleep per night. What can I do?" I go, "You can't do anything. Nothing's going to make up for that. There's no, <laughs> no. pill you can take. You're gonna there's nothing you can back. eat. Yeah, there's there's nothing you can do <laughs> that's going to make up for that. So you're just going into debt every time you do it, and eventually it's going to accumulate with serious." adrenal fatigue it's not where you're tired people. all the time no matter it's what not you fun. do trust me i yeah i can speak from experience yeah it's, it's not terrible. fun and it never becomes any more fun as you try it again later on <laughs> so as you're getting older and now that we're saying like we're 60 or 70 or 80 years old or anything like that but just trust me the body needs to do things a lot differently in certain decades of your life in certain points in your life. So you got to really start really working with what you have here and make yeah. it and be more efficient with it. So the way, yeah, you can sit there and do all nighters or whatever when you were in your twenties and keggers and all this other madness. And you go sit there and go two days without sleep when you're in your twenties. Yeah, that was whatever back then. But when you're in your thirties and your forties and your fifties, now it, it sucks because going a day without sleep or even just going and just having like three or four hours of sleep each night feels as if you went a month without sleep. It's just, you, just, yeah. you, you just constantly feel like you're on some type of like drug-induced high. You just seem like you're just not there, and you, you, your, your brain fog is ridiculous. You're like, what, what was I saying again? I was, yeah. In the middle of a conversation, you just veer <laughs> off, and then you're like, what was yeah. I talking about? Right, and your right. friends look at you like, what the hell is wrong with you? What are you on? <laughs> well, I'll tell you what I'm not on is eight hours of sleep every night, okay? So yeah, I'm on a new drug called sleep deprivation. Yeah. <laughs> if you go too long in a sleep deprived state, you will literally start hallucinating like you're on some kind of psychedelic yeah. drug. You'll so that, that's, that's what starts happening. Because you, you work out so many things in your mind and body when you're asleep that, that you can't possibly do when you're fully conscious. And also, what, and, and it's a terrible feeling when you have that really bad adrenal fatigue where you're just tired all the time. You just slept for eight hours and you woke up and you're tired already. That exactly. is a you're horrible feeling. That is yeah, a man. horrible feeling. I've, I've been there too, like you're talking about, where you wake up, you're like, man, I've been up for an hour and I could take a nap right now. <laughs> like, you know, that, that is a ter- so then you, and then you're like, oh, I want to work out today. So you take some energy drink with caffeine yeah. and that makes it even worse. Exactly. You know, so, I mean, it's, it's a terrible place to be. You know, the natural state should be you wake up and you don't need any kicker to give you energy. In other words, within minutes of waking up, your, your mind is going, you're feeling good, you're ready to go. That, yeah, that's the reason that's why they use sleep deprivation as a form of like interrogation. Oh, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. You know, eventually no, you will just give up. Like, look, I'll tell you what you need to know. Just let me go to sleep. <laughs> just leave me alone. I, I think a lot of the mental stress a lot of people have is from poor quality sleep and not enough of it. That, that's a big factor right now, there. Now mix that in with poor quality like nutrition. Yeah, Gosh, exactly. For disaster. And that's part of the reason why the sleep is so poor. You're eating oh, garbage yeah, food. Yeah. You're eating high sugar, high fructose syrup, corn syrup. You're eating garbage fake food all day. So you're, you're, you're in this stress-induced state, and now you can't sleep at night because you have so much anxiety, and it's this vicious cycle. Yeah, so, I mean, when your system's working overtime to get rid yeah. of that crap and get it out. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> and God forbid, you, you know, you're so, your digestive system is so messed up that you can't even, that you've been constipating. You're one of those people that poop like every two or three days. And you think that's normal? I know some lights just went, <laughs> know, some lights that, just that, went off when I said that. We're like, wait a minute, that's yeah. not normal? Yeah, no. I, I, no. I, I, I every two I to three that. hours is a great thing. What? I remember one lady. I, I've had somebody say, "Who poops that much?" I'm like, "This guy." Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, one, once a day, I would I would say is like the bare minimum. You know, yeah. that it should be more than that. So, but once a day would be like the bare minimum you should be having. And people that are saying, you know, some women have, that I've talked to as online clients have had issues where you know they're going once every four days, sometimes oh, longer. Yeah, like, um, like, you are so freaking toxic. Yeah, you're so toxic right now. And unfortunately, with the right diet and the right right restoration regimen, that's fixed fairly quickly. Yeah. Because I think one thing people don't realize is that the gut is is really the second brain. It has a lot of the same neurotransmitters that the brain has, like serotonin. So well, I mean, there was there was a time where you know in history where the stomach, the gut, that was seen as the brain. Right. Not right. so much what's going on in your head. It's just like everything started right there in the gut, and they they really really valued having just a good digestive system because yeah. they always feel like this is where life begins right here. Everything else, the heart and the brain and all that, these are just, they're second and third when it comes to this. And I think if we got back right. to that, oh, we'll be so much healthier, dude. Yeah, just your ability to assimilate, extract the most amount of nutrition from food, and then your ability to get rid of the waste. You know, those are signs of, of health right there to a high level. And then what people don't, I mean, it's, it's not that hard for people to believe if you really think about it. I mean, just think about when you're really stressed mentally, how that often causes digestive stress. Oh, yeah. You know, those buttons, like, those, I mean, <laughs> I mean, just think about this. When you're nervous, what happens? You feel queasy. You know, you got butterflies. Right. Or right. when you're getting angry, your stomach is in knots. Let's think about all these phrases we like to use. So <laughs> when you're at your happiest, you know, you got flutters in your stomach. Hello. When you're angry, you got your stomach is in knots. When you're nervous, you got butterflies. Right, Everything's right. happening in the gut. It's not yeah, happening so, in the brain. so much. I mean, uh, a, a mutual friend of ours, Dr. Peter Rouse, he did a great course a couple of years ago on on gut health and digestion yeah. and so forth, which I took, and it was really mind opening because it, it's one of those obvious things that a lot of us tend to overlook. Where it all starts with digestion, right? If you're not digesting the food you're eating in a in an optimal manner, you're not going to get the nutrition you need to fuel you through your workouts and live life fully and so forth. So you can take all the supplements in the world, but if your gut health is poor, you're not absorbing anything. So sometimes when a supplement doesn't work for someone, it's not because the supplement is flawed. It's because you, you didn't absorb anything. It just you went the in right environment right to, out. To see. Yeah. <laughs> right. You know, it's kind of like, I mean, you got to look at your gut. It's kind of like your hard drive on your computer. The more and more stuff you add to, your, you know, to that hard drive, the more programs you put on. So I'm, I'm going to go the nerd way with this one, Mike. So the more <laughs> stuff you keep adding and the more websites you can – they always leave bits and pieces of those websites or those programs on your hard drive. Even when you delete right. it, there's still these little fragments left behind. So the thing is if you're not doing a, a defrag, you know, defragmenting your hard drive and really cleaning this stuff up, what ends up happening, all these little fragments or whatever start to slow your computer's performance down. And then eventually, you're, you're sitting there, it's freezing, it's locking up, and you think like, oh, Windows sucks, or this, this, this. No, it's just all this crap you've been putting on your computer, and you haven't really cleaned it out and defragmented your hard drive. Well, your digestive system is the same way. If that stuff is, if stuff is leaving food and crappy food and things like that are leaving like fragments of all this crappy stuff posing as food behind, eventually it's going to build up, build up, build up, and it's going to slow you down. So the thing is to find a way to flush it all out. And, and right. try to stay as optimal as possible in order for you for your programming to continue to work in a most efficient manner. So maybe yeah. 
that you know maybe that picture can help from a nerd standpoint. <laughs> you know. Yeah, and then what we'll, what we'll do is we'll get someone like Dr. Rouse or another person who's an expert in gut health and so forth, and yeah. we'll we'll have a good podcast episode where we really yeah. get into the nitty gritty of that. I think I think that's something a lot of people would like to hear more about. And let's see, here's another. This, this is a great question, actually. This one this one I've been looking forward to actually here <laughs> bring it up on the show. It talks about what are what are the mistakes you guys made as trainees, you know, just the way you trained yourself when you first started working out and what would you, if you could go back in time and do things differently, what would you do? And that, oh, that, 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 how that, much time do we have left on the show? Exactly. exactly. I think we'll just hit the, we'll That's hit the show the, in itself, man. Yeah, I think, I think we should get our, our friend Ken Blackburn back on and all yeah. three of us have a discussion about that. So I know he would have a lot of funny input with that one. But to me, to me, what comes to mind right away is I, I spent way too much time, focusing on the bench press like every young man does now at the gym I go to it's, it's always comical for me to see it and I can't make fun of it too much when I see it because I was doing the same dumb thing when I was their age right. but I mean when I first started getting into working out around let's say around 18 I started taking it seriously it was all about the bench press right and uh, bitch, I, I always, yeah, I always laugh when people say I, I always laugh when people say well you know, Mike can make the vegan diet work because he's just genetically gifted. You know, he 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 can, he can make any diet work. He's just okay, that goes back to Daniel Coyle. Well, yeah, <laughs> and I and I'm right. like, guys, because you know, you're my vegan, mother, you're talented. <laughs> yeah, my my mother's from India. She's a small little lady. My dad is is a smart guy, but he's he's not a workout guy. So it's not like I have this athletic gene in the family. Mm-hmm. And also, the first time I ever tried bench pressing, I got pinned with 90 pounds. Okay, I got pinned. To the point where I I had to let the bar fall to one side. Oh, there, down to the lap, and then sit it up and roll it off. (laughs) I had to do a power clean to get it off. Yeah, we've all been there, buddy. So look, there's a lot of guys that won't admit it, but we trust me. That's the reason why I can describe what happened to you just now so vividly. I've been that guy. (laughs) Yeah, so I mean, whenever someone likes to say, "Oh, that person's genetically gifted," it's always a cop out for why they're not for their lack of progress. Right. Look. I couldn't bench press 90 pounds the first time I tried doing it. That's not that's not the marker of a guy who's genetically gifted <laughs> athletically, all right? Yeah. But anyway, you know, back to my story here is that, yeah, I spent way too much time working on the bench press, and I didn't spend anywhere near as much time working on the exercises that mattered, like squat, deadlift. If I could go back and do it all over again, I would find a guy like Mark Philippi, and I would learn optimal squat and deadlift technique, and I would make those two exercises the cornerstone of my workout regimens, which is what I do now at the gym. It's always, it's always about squat and deadlift. Those are always the exercises I start with. Those are always the ones I want to put the most energy in. Everything else is just icing in the cake. And when it comes to kettlebells, it's double swings or double snatches or something like that. You know, that's the or clean, double clean and press, you know, these power moves. Those are the ones I focus on, and then I, I fill up the rest with other things. So, I mean, so those, those are the, I mean, like you said, we could talk about this forever, but th- that's the thing that stuck out of my mind the most. Way too much time on the bench press, not enough time spent on squat and deadlift, which is what every young guy should prioritize. Right. No, I think for me, kind of going back to what you just said about it, you would have gone back to Mark Philippi or someone yeah. like that. that. I think one of my biggest mistakes was not having a good coach in the very beginning. I'm not counting high school and our football coaches and all that, but more what happens after I left high school and I got into college and I was on my own. I didn't have the class environment anymore. It was me being solo. It really sucked not having a coach because what ends up happening at that time period, I'm just pretty much going by workouts. I might find in muscle and fitness or flex or something like that. So now I'm, I'm doing this program that was not catered to me, but to someone else. And a lot of times, especially now, once we got into this industry, we realized those weren't even really catered to anyone else. It's just very general to sell those magazines. Right. So 
Right. Therefore, yeah, of course, when you're not doing much of anything, you're going to get results. But the thing is, when you really tap into your genetics and your body type, there's so much more you can do with your body. And especially if you really have a clear-cut idea of what you want to do with your body, then you're definitely going to make your training cater to that. And I think one of the biggest mistakes is not having a very clear picture of what I really wanted for my body. It's not just the way it looks. Forget the aesthetics of it. The aesthetics comes along with the training program. It's just, it's just one more accessory that comes with it. But it's more like what did I want to do with my body? And I wasn't thinking about those in the early days, other than the fact I was still kind of living off of the high school dream of like, okay, I want to continue to be the athlete I was when I was playing football. Well, I'm not playing football anymore. I'm 18, 19, 20 years old now. I'm not playing football. So there are certain things I don't necessarily have to do anymore with my body as far as eating or anything like that. So even with that, so again, it's always good to be very clear cut, like, okay, what do I want next? And be very specific about it. Just to say like, hey, I just want to be healthy and I just want to do this. That's just not enough. It's not compelling enough to keep you interested. Okay, right. so you got to dig a little deeper. So my thing is, no, I don't want to get diabetes like most everybody in my family. I don't want to have a heart attack before I'm 60 years, like 60 years old like everyone else in my family. But at the same time, I also don't want to be that just fat, disgusting old dad who's just feeling tired all the time, who can't even participate and play with his kids, you know, at the park or anything like that. And I want to be agile. I want to, like, just flip around. And that's just me. I want to be the guy that's doing cartwheels and, and being able to do capoeira and things like that. That's just me. I know it's not for everyone, but guess what? If that's what I want to do, if I want to be able to be that agile and supple and things like that, I'm not going to get that from bench pressing <laughs> all the time right. and focusing on the bench press. I need to focus on moving and, and actually incorporating more bodyweight type exercises. But at the same time, I still want to be strong. And not saying that, you know, just body weight exercise itself won't make you strong. They can. But there's going to be a certain level where you're going to have to add some type of resistance to it, some type of weight. And that's, why, that's what really turned me on to kettlebells. But getting back to what I was saying, it really helps to have a coach who can find out these things about you. Because that's what coaches do. They ask the right questions, and they help you discover the answers that you weren't even aware of. So you really, they can really help you really discover what your true goals are and get beyond just the whole, oh, I just want to lose weight. Or I just want to be healthy. So it's also good. And then they can program, they can put together a program that is going to specifically help you get to where you need to be. And therefore, it takes all the guesswork out of it for you. And guess what? Even for Mike and myself, yeah, we're coaches. But guess what? Every, great, every good coach needs a great coach themselves. And that's what makes that coach a great coach. So right. we have to be teachable in order to teach. And I think that's where in our industry, that's a big issue. You have so many people who, like, they, they just want to coach and tell people what to do, but they stop training. We talked about this before. Right, right. They and stopped working out 10 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And they're starting to, you know, look and feel like a hot mess. And, and then it just kind of leads to that whole jaded, being jaded with the industry type situation with most of them. They're not right. jaded with the industry. They're jaded with themselves because they let themselves go and they just gave up. Well, and well, my, yeah, on my attitude is thing. if you're a fitness professional and you're giving other people training advice, you, you should always lead from the front. Yeah. with your own regimen. You know, you should, you're, because you're, your people are going to be looking at what you're doing more than what you're saying. So if you're, if you're telling them to work out hard and you're not, you haven't worked out in a month, I mean, come on, what, what's the message there? And, right. but, but, but when they see you pushing hard, that automatically makes them want to push hard too. They're going, look, my coach is crushing it. I, I don't want to send him my journal on Friday and it's his half-assed week of workouts. So it's, yeah. it's, it's, you're, you're leading from the front. And also, I mean, why did you even get into the business? I mean, I got into the business because working out was such a transformative experience for me. It, it improved my life on so many levels right. that I wanted to share that experience with other people and help them do the same. 
Right. So, so, I mean, it came from a place of I really like working out myself, and it's had so many positive benefits for me. I want other people to experience that. Yep. And I, 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 and if you're not, I don't know why you would even get into this business if you didn't have that experience yourself. You know, it's like what, right. why even get into it? You want to, you want to make money? Just go be an investment banker. Go do something like that. You yeah. know, if that's your only goal, go make money. Fine. There's, there's avenues to do that. But to me, it's like if you're not passionate about working out, training yourself, then you're in the wrong industry. Do something else. <laughs> yeah. Do something else. I mean, exactly. especially for those people who are seeking your advice and seeking your professional help, you're doing them a disservice, and it's really wrong if this is not what you're passionate about and it's not what right. you really want to do for yourself. Right. You're just cheating them, man. You're robbing them of their life, and they're already being robbed of their life already by so many things, so many outside sources. And they're coming to you to kind of get that back. They need some help getting that back. And don't just don't be an accessory to the crime that's already being committed against them. You know, it's always nice to have someone that's kind of an inspiration for where you can go. You know, that's one of the things yeah. I liked about working at a Mark's gym, Mark Phillippe's gym, is that he's a very impressive guy. So he's telling, he's giving you this advice, and you're getting it from a guy who is who has achieved a high level of strength and fitness. So that's always inspiring in itself. You know, you, you, you're not gonna you're not going to question what he's telling you to do because you know where he's taking it personally and what he's done for so many other people. Oh, let me and tell you, one of the that, reasons why I signed up for collision course is when I saw Mark on there. I mean, here's a guy yeah. I've been watching since yeah. I was young on um, World's Strongest Man Contest. Right. And I'm like, seriously, I get to work with this guy for a weekend? Are you serious? Yeah. yeah sign me up, yeah. man. I'm there. <laughs> that, that, his, his section was my favorite of that weekend. You know, yeah. I, I, really, I really enjoyed getting learning from him. I mean, that's what inspired me to go want to work out with him four times a, a week for – for a couple of months was that week. And I was like, wow, this guy, I mean, I knew the guy was high level, but this was really cool. So I want to spend more time at that facility and, and checking that out. In fact, I've been thinking about that again. You know, once I get these workshops out of the way, I've got quite a bit of free time. So I'm thinking I'd go. like to, yeah, I'd like to do another four month program at Mark, do something different this time just to shake it up a bit. Yeah. So I think, I think, and it, and it makes you, it, it, it prevents you from becoming that jaded person as well, because Sometimes when you're a fitness professional on your own, you're spending too much time on your own, right? You're spending oh, too yeah. much time with your own ideas, your own head, and you're, 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 you're spending too much time doing your own workouts where sometimes it's saying, you know what, I need a new perspective. Yeah, Let yeah. me go. And even when you write out what you're going to do, when you get there and you show up, you're like, well, you know what, I'm not in the mood to do deadlifts today. I'm just going to do walking <laughs> right. lunges. Right, you know, right, I, right. I don't want to do that. I, I just want to do, do some Hindu squats today. You know, I'm still hitting the same thing, right? But it's still, So you kind of need that. You, you need to be able to answer to someone else. Okay. That's so true. So therefore, you so can true. show up and, and get it done. No, but also, the thing I liked about Mark's gym so much is that he, it's a very positive environment of men and women that are all pushing themselves hard. Right. So, I mean, you don't want to be the guy who walks in there and, and half-asses it when there's high school girls banging out 12 pull-ups with perfect form. And, yeah. you know, there's, there's a guy doing box squats with 500 pounds for reps. And, he, and after that, he's going to do a box jump 60 inches, no problem. You don't want to be the guy who walks in there and is like, nah, or I don't really want to push it today. You know? yeah. what's, what's cool is, I mean, there would be times where I would just crush it, and then Mark would use me as the example to some of the other people. Like, look at him. Look at how hard he's pushing it and so right. forth. And that was cool, man. You know, it's like that, that, that makes you want to push it even harder. So it's, yeah. it, it, was, it was really cool for me to experience that because now I'm experiencing a, the perspective of the trainee rather than just being the trainer all the time. And how those little praises make a big difference. Now, him saying, this guy's awesome at this, or Mike just crushed it on that, but that's cool, man. You know, for, yeah, for because someone you respect that, gives you that. accountable because you never know yeah. when you – it's like sitting in class and getting the right answer. You never know when you're going to get called on again. So you kind of just don't want to be 
unprepared when they're when you're <laughs> right, called on. Right. You don't want to let your coach down. You yeah. you want to be like, okay, if he calls on me, I'm damn sure gonna give my very best. I may not get all the numbers or whatever, you know, but I'm gonna put I'm gonna I'm gonna show him the respect for his programming and his time. Right. I'm gonna like, look, dude, I know you put in all this effort to put this program together for me. I'm gonna respect your time by busting my ass to make it happen, and I'm gonna show you that you're not wasting your time on me. And that's what it comes down to. It's it's the old adage right there, the, the apprentice and and just their mentor. Just to right. show them the respect, like, look, this is what I'm learning from you, and I'm going to make sure that I get it. And guess what? You pass that legacy on to the person that you're going to end up coaching, and you end right. up teaching. Right. And it keeps going on and on and on. It's just all about respect, respecting someone's time and their knowledge and the fact that you came to them in the first place. Right. Yeah, you're, you're instilling confidence, and that, that's a very important thing. And then accountability is very important, which is why people do so well with your online programs and mine. It's because there's – not only are they getting a personalized program, but there's there's accountability there as well. And on top of that, you, you have someone in your corner. You know, it's okay. not like some drill sergeant who's just telling you what to do. If things are not working out, they can email you, they can email me, and get some and get some get back on the right course. So I, right. I think I think accountability is important. I think knowing that someone's in your corner is very important as well. And, and that's why, I, like on a previous episode, I mentioned how I. I like to send every person who buys a, a nutrition supplement from me just a personal email saying, thanks a lot for buying it. Here's the best way to use it. If you have any questions, reach out to me. I want them to know that don't hesitate at all. If you're taking a product and you're wondering if, this or, if something's going right or wrong, don't even hesitate. Email me. Right. Let's make sure you get on the right track because, I, I, yeah, I'm a businessman. I want to make money, but I'm going to make money by making sure you get the best experience and Money aside, I want people to get really good results. I didn't go through all this trouble to make products exactly. to rip people off. You know, I want them to get good results. And when I get testimonials, like I got a testimonial from a guy, Dave Gunter, the other day telling me that you know, his testosterone has gone up 128 points wow. in, I think, five weeks since he's been on aggressive strains. And he's right. like, man, he's like, before I was contemplating HRT and all this right. other stuff. You know, now my level is way higher and I'm feeling better and so forth. I mean, that's extremely gratifying. When I see stuff like that, I'm like, this is awesome, man. I mean, I, I went through all this research. I've created something that works. People are benefiting from it, and I'm making good money off of it. Well, that's win-win yeah. all around. And that's just a testament of what I was just about to say. Another good thing about doing this and being accountable to these coaches or even to someone that's creating a product for you, by you actually putting in the work and, and, and having them put these things together for you and you pretty much living it, and that's pretty much feedback for folks like us. And it's not just – saying that we didn't waste our time with you. What it's helping us do is helping us be better creators of products, a better coach, a better teacher. Hell, putting together, being better producers and show hosts of a podcast, it helps us be better. So guess what? It's not all about us trying to just put something over on, you know, give something to you. We get something back from this, and it just keeps going round and round. And guess what? We all get better together, <laughs> right. student and the teacher. Right. Right. And guess what? The thing is, even though we may be the teacher as the coach, we're still the student because we're learning from you because guess what? Everyone that we work with is a different person. It's, an, it's another individual. So they're going to have things going on with them that our, last, our other client does not. And what we're doing, we're just collecting this data, and what we're doing is building this database because one thing, sooner or later, somebody's going to come with some things that may be going on with them that you had and as well as another client and then combine them together, and that's what this person's going through. Well, the fact is we've worked with so many people, and you've given us that feedback by actually doing the work and, and staying accountable to us, then we can help someone else. So guess what? Now right. you're a big part of that person's success as well because just you sharing your experience and doing the programming has helped someone else. 
So therefore, you kind of become the teacher yourself and the coach yourself without even knowing it. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a great point, actually. That's an extremely good point. I I never even thought about how much what I've learned from helping people years ago has is allows me to help people now at a much higher level. So that that's a great point. That's a really good point. Yeah, this is a good topic, man. I think we should we should definitely like let's get Ken on or someone else or another friend of ours and just talk about you know, common mistakes we've made and you know things we've done right to and right. have a whole show about that. I think that would be pretty cool. Definitely. Yeah, cool. so I think that is a good wrap for yep. this week. That was a fun episode. And what do you have coming on? I know you have a great workshop coming up with Ken. This yeah, weekend. actually, uh, by the time everyone hears this show, we would have finished. But, yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> that, that, <laughs> and you would, just, you would just have started your U.K. tour at that time. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. this weekend, I, I yeah, Ken will be here in a couple of days, and uh, we start the IKFF certification at, um, at our gym here in Houston. And that's going on. And then after that, that what um, I have the – IKFF World Kettlebell Sport Competition coming up in Novi, Michigan, which is right outside Detroit. That's coming up in November. And then after that, actually, I just had some folks reach out to me. It's uh, a CrossFit gym here locally, probably about – it's close to where NASA is. It's, called, it's a, in a place called League City, which is right outside Houston where, where NASA is located, right out there in Clear Lake. And I'm going to be teaching a kettlebell course there. Um, so pretty much that's – that's kind of what I'm – if I do courses in the next year, it'll be pretty much more local and not so much travel. So, right, therefore, right. I can focus on the other outside projects because I'm doing so many other projects now, especially with my wife and with her company. So, just to kind of dedicate more time for her. Awesome. That's why I've kind of scaled back on all my outside traveling for my business as well. And so, I'm teaching a kettlebell course there. Um, the information will be up on my website within the next couple of weeks. So, for those of you in the Houston area or in Texas or if you even want to fly down for that – you know, that information will be on my site right on there where it says workshops and certifications. But other than that, man, um, again, there's still some projects I'm finishing up that once they're available, we'll talk about it here on the show. Um, I've stopped just, you know, just bringing them up until they're done. I, I hate being that guy, and I hate those guys that do that, and they keep teasing you. That's one thing I hated about the music industry. Someone's always talking about their new album, and the release date is going to be this, but they keep pushing it back, and they keep pushing right, it back. Right. And when I was doing marketing promotions, it made my job suck. Because I'm telling all these DJs, yeah, their album's coming this day, and you're going to have it this day. And it keeps getting pushed back, and then they're looking at me all cockeyed every time I have to call them up, right. you know, or see them. <laughs> like, dude, <laughs> told me the album's coming out. I know, they pushed it back again. Yeah, so the I don't want to be that you. dude. They're, so, they're thinking that that information's coming from you, and now you're, you have your exactly, shoulder Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And unfortunately, now that information is coming from me. So, <laughs> <laughs> right. so I'm not going to talk about anything else until I have some specific dates when they are ready. And but and I, the reason why I want to make sure that they're worth your t- the, our listeners' time sure. and people that visit our site. I want to make sure it's worth their time. I want to run it through you as well because you're a trusted source. So therefore, Good. when it's ready, then boom, then we'll start we'll start talking about it here on the show. So yeah. other than that, man, that's my 2013 wrap up right there. So yeah. oh that yeah, just make sure that you. For those of you that listen to the show, use the coupon code LLA and get 30% off of the physical or the digital download of my DVD. And for those of you who give us, our, um, give us your review on iTunes, uh, Mike's got a nice little hookup for you. He's, about to, he's going to tell you about that. And I'm also going to add to that a, a bonus copy of my book that I co-authored with other fitness and wellness experts, The Wellness Code, uh, which features John Spencer Ellis. Kelly Calabrese and so many other experts out there. I'm going to add that too, and that's a twenty dollars value right there as well. 
So what do you yeah, have? I mean, yeah, basically we have, we have a little promo we're doing right now just to get more reviews and feedback for our show. What we're doing is when you go and post a review on iTunes, just shoot either one of us an email and let us know that you just did that. And what I'll do is I'll give you free access to a hormone lecture series, how to optimize hormones naturally lecture series, eight hours of high-quality material. It's a $50 value gift for free just for being nice enough to support our show and put up a review. Now, you know, it doesn't have to be a five-star review, but you know, if you're going to tell me the show sucks and then you want the free product, that doesn't really make sense either because if you think the show sucks, then you're probably not really a fan of us. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what I'll necessarily do in that situation, but it doesn't really make sense to me if you put a one, give us a one-star and say, Mike and Sincere suck, and then you tell me, oh, yeah, I put the review up. Go ahead and send me the free <laughs> It's like, well, if you thought, if you think the show sucks, I don't know why you want. Then to you're free. probably not a fan of ours. So <laughs> I would even you know? care about getting a lecture series right, on this book. Right, right, right. But <laughs> anyway, you know, what I, where, where I'm trying to go is, it doesn't have to be a five star rating where you're just telling us how great we are. You know, feel free to give us some constructive criticism of you know what you would like to see on the show, what we could do better. That's all fine. That's all fine. It's nice to get feedback like that too. And then, yeah, you'll get that free product, and also. I have the coupon code LLA that Sincere mentioned. You get 10% off my testosterone booster, my recovery oil, and also by the time this show airs, my latest supplement, Restorezon. I actually have a 15% off special, but that's going to end this week. So that's going to, by the time you hear this, that's already over. But you can still get 10% off by using LLA for any of my products anywhere in the world. So it's for international as well. And then workshop-wise, by the time you hear this, I would have, completed the UK course, I'll be teaching in Dublin. That'll be my last course, Dublin, Ireland. That'll be my last course for the year. And then, as we've mentioned many times, I'm going to take an extended break from workshops for most of next year, if not all of next year. I'm going to focus on a few more of these nutrition supplement ideas I have. I have an estrogen blocker that I just finalized the formula. So now it's just a question of doing a little testing, see how well it works, and then get that one out there. So that's probably going to be sometime next year. Like what Sincere mentioned with his project, I don't rush these things. You know, I want to make sure it's done right. I want to make sure I have something really good and then get it out there rather than just rush something to the market and then realize, oh, that wasn't the right formula. And now you have to make this mid-course correction and the whole thing's a headache. So take your time with it. And then focusing on the podcast, focusing on some other things. So I'm looking forward to just a getting these workshops out of the way. And I, that, I don't mean that in a bad way. I love teaching. I'm just looking forward to moving on to the next phase of what I'm working on. Yeah, I think and, it's really cool what people don't understand. We, Mike and I are throwing some ideas together right now, going back and forth. Right. And one thing about clearing our schedule for 2014, it opens doors for some of these ideas that we kind of have with the podcast. And, and maybe possibly another one. Who knows? Right. So I said, so that means so that's going to wrap it up for this week, folks. Thanks a lot for listening, and we will see you again. All right. Take care, everybody.